Hey guys, we are pleased to say that we are associated with the Sophie Lancaster Foundation charity. And now, a message from one of our supporters. As someone who frequently goes out in the rock metal alternative scenery, um, you know, go to gigs and clubs, pubs, you name it, the foundation helps raise awareness for people who don't understand our choices in music and why we like to dress the way we do. Um, so for people like me, it's like an added comfort blanket when we go out. It helps spread awareness to everybody else. To learn more about this wonderful charity, head on over to www.sophielancasterfoundation.com. Hey, this is Adam Gubman, and you're listening to the Chronicles of Podcast with Tom and Jamie. Be prepared for a lot of cat butts. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Chronicles of Podcast. Today, we're speaking to a man who is a musical composer, works for Disney, Wizard, amongst other companies, has a wonderful coffee cup, many special guests. Go watch the YouTube kids. These are the Chronicles of Adam Gubman. This is me. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the 16th edition of the Chronicles of Podcast. And these are the Chronicles of Adam Gubman. It is I, the bearded brummy Jamie, and joining me as always, as always, is this handsome devil. It's this Liscos man, Liscos Mentum. Hello, I come to you for the first time ever. Uh, I do not know why I put on the French accent, but I thought uh, maybe I could get through the entire episode talking uh, like a Frenchman. Sacre <laughs> bleu, where is Tottenham? Oh, why don't you fuck off, you friend? No, I'm joking. Um, anyway, <laughs> hi, guys. This is Scott and Tom. What's going on? Do you know what I wonder as well, Jamie? It's like you mentioned before that you're going to be like the, that you don't do the V anymore you just do it as a as a one i thought you'd keep going longer and longer and longer oh, do you know what? i completely forgot i was gonna do that <laughs> yeah i thought you might have done i thought you might have done just you wait till next week now <laughs> before we get started right before we ever get started on any of this thing i want to do jamie's weigh-in oh jamie's um, weighing let's get let's do it let's, let's kick off with a bang let's kick off oh, with a bang like you, you want to know how i did i lost two, i lost two pound that's half a stone in two weeks baby boom I'm just going to applaud for the rest of this episode now. That's it. <laughs> so you've been a Frenchman who applauds for the rest of this episode. <laughs> <laughs> ah, ah, monsieur, monsieur, <laughs> beautiful, eh? like a baguette. <laughs> no, that's bread. That puts weight on. No. Oh, no, 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 no. The olive, olive is Greek. What am I on about? Let me think. I know the cheese, then the bread. What's a nicer French food you can have? Is it not so fattening? You know what I mean? A bit of fish, a bit of fish. <laughs> <laughs> Literally, all the French food I think of are fattening, so I ain't got a clue. <laughs> yeah, so it's one of the delicacies, isn't it? What's France famous? France? What's France? What's France famous for? <laughs> <laughs> Fucking France. Where's that? Is that next to France? Is it like, <laughs> it's like Andorra? As Andorra's in between, is this Andorra, Monaco, and fence? <laughs> Fucking dickhead. <laughs> How you doing, mate? You okay? I'm good. Just amused at you having a go at yourself. It's quite a beautiful thing to see. Just stumble over my words. I get annoyed <laughs> by it. 
Uh, I'm good. I'm on a high. We just did an absolutely fantastic interview before this recording, so I yeah, am did. on a high. Yeah, we did. And, uh, yeah, we did. Did, 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 did you guys? Yeah, we did. Yeah, we did. And uh, how are you? Yeah, man, I'm good. I'm obviously buzzing myself as well. It's been uh, it's been good. I'm on a week off, so I'm just. It's been nice just to like wake up and go. Ah, should I go back to bed? Ah, should I just relax? I think I will. I think I will. Let's have a, a bit more of a snooze. Oh, it's 10 o'clock now. What should I do? No, I won't get dressed yet. I'll have a shower about two. And then uh, I'll put my pants on about three. <laughs> I'm not a pants. I'm a boxers guy. Are you a boxers guy or a wife fronts guy? I'm a boxers guy. Are wife fronts even a thing anymore? I think they are, but I couldn't remember the last time I ever wore a pair. I think kids wear them now, don't they? I think kids wear wife fronts. And then as you get older, it's like, it's like you grow up into boxers. Yeah. Oh, you've hit that age now. You can, yeah. you can wear boxers. They're 10 now. You can have boxers shorts. <laughs> I know, right, never forget. I will never forget. Sorry, just to interrupt you really quickly because I'll forget otherwise. I'll never forget one Christmas. I was at my mum's and my brother-in-law and my brother were there. This is fucking hilarious. So obviously you get boxed and socks for Christmas every year without fail, right? Yeah. Every year. My brother-in-law got small. My brother got medium and I got large. <laughs> what are you trying to say, mum? What are you trying to say? That's <laughs> <laughs> so funny. So funny. <laughs> I can imagine you ripping the piss out of them all fucking Christmas. I didn't point it out. My brother-in-law did. It was like, oh, wait, hang on. How have I got small? You've got L. What's going on there? Well, uh, let, let me sit, let's sit you down, Ashley. Let's have a chat, shall we? Let's show you how manhood works, mate. <laughs> have you got a ruler? Have you got a ruler on you? <laughs> imagine if that's we how they decided the sizes for boxers. Obviously, it's the size of the human, right? Oh, no, but could you imagine uh, yeah. if that's how it was, though? Oh, mate, it'd be ridiculous. That'd be ridiculous. It'd just be like a sock, wouldn't it? <laughs> What's the point? If, it, if it's going to go based on manhood size, well, then you might as well just go for whatever covers that rather than everything else. But then again, you've got to cover the ass, haven't you? I don't know where I'm going with this. Dragon's Den? <laughs> anyway, before I rudely interrupt you, what were you going to say? I, you know, I can't even remember now. No, I don't think, I'm it's, so sorry. It's gone. I'm so. It's about kids wearing wife fronts and going up into adulthood wearing boxer shorts. Is where we're going with that. that I was going to say, please finish that sentence. It sounded really weird out of context. No, I say as a parent, you know, like when your kids grow up, you're like, here is your first pair of boxers, your big boy pants. <laughs> they still have Spider Man on them, though, because you're still a kid. <laughs> the light's shining down or on a cushion, <laughs> a red cushion with gold tassels around it. <laughs> I Big bestow boys. upon thee thine first pair of boxer briefs. <laughs> Your first pair of big boy pants. Yes, congratulations. You are growing up. It's a beautiful sight. Beautiful sight, yes. That's lovely, <laughs> lovely. So um anyway, should we get we get off this subject? Yeah, um, it's getting weird now. <laughs> what's been uh, what have you been up to, man? What's been going on? Uh, I have mostly been reanimating. I am absolutely wiped. I've been up at half four every morning for the past week. So oh. I am just, yeah, I'm that zombied. Better than two till ten, surely. Yeah. To be fair, normally, I'm quite okay with these shifts. Like, I can just, whatever. Like, I used to get up at half three, go to the gym for an hour, and then go to work. Yeah, Last time mental. I did this, yeah. But this time round, oh, my God, I've struggled so much. My alarm will go off, and I'll just sit on the end of the bed going, <laughs> is it because you've done so many afternoons and nights that you haven't done any early mornings? Think, oh, do you know I was thinking that? Because it's been a while since I've done early shifts. Yeah. So your body's going, Jamie, what the fuck? Sorry, let me start again. 
Jamie, I can't do it from the accent. Well, I mate, what the fuck are you doing? What's you getting up for, hey? What's you getting up so fucking early for, mate? Is that what my brain sounds like? Yeah. <laughs> what time of the day do you call this? You need to go back to fucking sleep. I know it's not this late. I'm getting this early for. I don't know what I, I don't know what accent this that is. That was like a brummy mix of a Yorkshireman. That was weird. That's because every, every time Yorkshire wants to get out, it's like, oh, fuck off with your brummy accent. I want to get fuck out of your face. I'm I want to get out fucking out sure, not you. We don't do any of their accents, Tom, all right? We do proper... If we're going to do accents, we're going to fucking Yorkshire. No, this brummy shit. No, this scouser wank. We're going to go out with fucking Yorkshire every time, all right? None of this combine orris to bollocks. <laughs> <laughs> Why, that's the thing, right? Why? Does everybody, when they want to do a Bristol or Southern accent, go straight for a combine harvester? I think it's because of the song. I've got it's, a brand new combine harvester. Roll they they the key. There's obviously civilization. There's, there's, <laughs> obviously exists there too. It's not just because of where you're from. They don't have like houses or roads. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> oh, so there's quite a fucking fields and combine harvester, man. So they like, down there. There's no fucking roads or fields or anything. Fuck them. <laughs> What's, what we'll do is combine harvester every time. Oh, you're from Bristol? Combine harvester, mate. Fucking combine harvester. Bristol's yep. a massive city. Combine harvester, though, isn't it? It's a city with loads of buildings. Like, it's a big city, all right? The field's on the outskirts. There's, there's, there's no fields in Bristol. <laughs> oh, fucking combine harvester. <laughs> you're going on some beautiful tangents today. <laughs> me oh what else have I- <laughs> what else have you been doing other than working what else have i been doing um i went to go see the kidney winks on friday that was always nice oh amazing what'd you get up to I always enjoy it. not a lot because the weather was bloody terrible but sometimes I, I like i said before i quite like the days where we just chill just chill and have a chin wag watch and play games and stuff you know that's lush there i bet uh it must be nice though getting to spend some time with them every you know i know it's once a week it's better than none times a week. That's the way I try and look none at it. Times. In. None times. None times a week. <laughs> yeah, I did say none times. I'm sticking with it, all right? <laughs> I'm owing that fucker. <laughs> um, Watching-wise, what I've watched, I started a Netflix documentary about a Korean serial killer, which is quite good. I'm quite enjoying it. A Korean that serial? What's that called? Uh, it's called The Raincoat Killer. Okay. Yeah. I'll put, I'll put on the list of the half one and watch that. It's good. It's only three parts, so I need to finish that. I've been enjoying that. Um, Disney Plus Day happened the other day, so I watched the making of Shang-Chi, Marvel Assembled, because I wanted to see if our good friend Mr. Andy Cheng was in it, and yes, he was. It's always good to see a bit of the Cheng. Um, Disney Plus Day as well, they dropped possibly my new favourite thing on the entire planet, and I don't care if it makes me seem like an immature child. It's called Olaf Presents, and it's have you seen Frozen 2? I doubt it, but I'm going to ask. I've not seen any Frozen movies. Oh. There's a bit in Frozen 2 where Olaf basically recaps the first movie, and okay. it's fucking brilliant. I absolutely love Olaf. It's amazing. And this new series on Disney+, Plus, he's called Olaf Presents, and he basically recaps Disney movies. Okay. And it's so funny. It is so funny. The, the one where he, re- when he redoes Tangled, he just does this look. It's called The, the Smolder, as if like Flynn from Tangled. And I have not laughed like so hard in my entire life as when Olaf pulled that face. I've now made that picture my Instagram profile photo and my WhatsApp profile photo. I was going to say that I was on your WhatsApp one. Because <laughs> it just amused me so much. So I'm laughing oh, again mate. now just thinking about it. Oh, mate. 
I know I'm an immature well, child. No, it's fine. if you enjoy it, so it matters, isn't it? Precisely. You know, it's, it's not for anyone to turn around and go, "What the fuck? What the fuck are you watching that for?" Because fucking Disney's amazing. And I went to the cinema. Oh my ass! What did you say? I did. I went to see the Eternals, and I really liked it. I don't know what you didn't like about it. I just, I don't know. I just felt slow. I, I enjoyed it, but it wasn't one of those. I normally Marvel movies. I'm like, this is amazing. This is the greatest thing I've ever seen. Oh my god! There was, it was more of a filler. I was giving you that. I think this it felt like more of a story film than it did an action film. But I, I like films about story as well, so it appealed to me. The thing you didn't like afterwards, I kind of get it. But then I realised he's actually done quite a bit of acting, so I'm going I'm to give it a chance. Give it a chance. We'll give right. it a chance. Give it. A chance. Right. My only thing I didn't like is I'm not going to give away spoilers, but it was the end, like something that happened at the end of the movie, like how they defeated the villain. Like I was expecting something to happen. I was like. And uh, and then if nothing happens, I was like, oh, okay, this is a bit weird. Okay. But yeah, I won't, I won't spoil anything. What I do realise now is obviously for the after credit scene of Shang-Chi now links into that, doesn't it? Yes. Yes. So yes, I'm very much looking forward to seeing where this goes now. But yeah, that's about it, really. That's pretty much all I've done this week. I've not done a fat loss. How about you? Well, well, my friend, it's been a roller coaster. Ooh, we like roller coasters. It, it hasn't. Um, oh, okay. So obviously, when did we last record? I was was I still in my stint, or had I finished my stint? It was your last day of the stint, I believe. We last recorded on Thursday. Oh uh, yes. Yeah, so obviously, I've been off. I've been off since uh, since we last recorded. It's been quite nice. Um, so I went to the other house house on Friday night, um, and I watched the Mighty Scots qualify for the World Cup playoffs. Fucking yes. Um, <laughs> I was so happy. We've qualified for the World Cup playoffs. We haven't missed the World Cup since 1998. Obviously, oh, okay. we qualified for... A, this is football, by the way. This is... Or soccer for our American listeners. Um, we qualified for our first ever tournament last year, the Euros, and now we're in the World Cup playoffs. Um, so... And we have to go to another semi-final and final to make it to the World Cup. Um, okay. But the current European champions, Italy, fell into the playoffs yesterday. So I'd like to avoid them at all costs. Thank you very much. <laughs> yeah. I'd, no Italians here, please. Like, no, thank you. You can qualify for your own little bit. Net, leave us alone. Thank you very much. Um, you and Portugal as well. You can also piss off and uh, go and qualify for your own means. Don't leave us alone. Thank you. Um, so I was very happy about that. And obviously got to see the half. So I stayed with her on Friday. Um, Saturday, I rushed back. So Saturday, obviously, I was meant to be in Edinburgh. Yes. Um, but obviously for personal reasons, I couldn't make it anymore. Um, so my dad and my stepmom went instead um, and um, they were on Amazon Prime a lot. Um, so it's Scotland, South Africa, the rugby, we lost, unfortunately. Great first half. We were amazing. We'd read, but we just couldn't, we couldn't take them in the second half. So we lost 30-15. Good game though. I really enjoyed it. I really, really enjoyed it. But my dad sent me photos yesterday of him in the crowd for, on Amazon Prime. So here's us. Oh, son, here's us again. Oh, son. Here's, and then he went, and he's getting annoying, yeah? <laughs> Piss off. Um, and my stepmom sent me Flower of Scotland recorded, which I absolutely bored my eyes out. Oh, that's it. amazing. Because you can hear all the Scottish fans around her as well. It was just... that my I, And I'm not afraid to admit this. My national anthem, every time I hear my national anthem, makes me bore my eyes out. 
because I'm a very patriotic Scot. I'm a very patriotic person. And my national anthem means the world to me. My country means the world to me. I love it. And I can't wait to be back there this weekend. Like I'm uh, going to be, I'm just going to be, it's going to be the greatest time of my life. And I'm so excited. Um, so and I get to go with the other half as well. It's just going to be the best day ever. And I'm so, I can't wait to smell that Scottish air, kiss the ground. Like it's, oh, to be home again, is going to be unreal. Um, so yeah, so I came back for the rugby Saturday. Um, we were meant to interview, but obviously um, communications got crossed and whatnot, and it didn't happen. Um, so that's been rearranged for tomorrow. So I'm quite looking forward to that. Um, obviously NFL Sunday. Sunday, I went and saw my mum and it was wonderful. I saw my whole family on Sunday, bar Kate, my sister, she was at a wedding. But um, yeah, it was lush. I got to spend time with the family. I saw Helen and Jasper as well. Uh, they got Beautiful. to meet the other half. It was quite nice. They got to meet the other half. Um, Ooh, she's so met. That, she's met the other parents now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, they absolutely love her. So it was nice. Uh, just just going to see my mum and my sister. And my brother was lush. My sisters, shall I say. Um, so that was really nice. We got back for NFL Sunday. We had fish and chips. It was delicious. I had fish and chips in ages from a chippy. Oh, it was just covered in salt and vinegar. Oh, nom, 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 nom. Um, so we did that, uh, and then obviously a bit off work. So um, I've been. I finished Loki. Hey, loved it. So Absolutely good. Loved it. I thought the last episode was a bit like, come on. <laughs> like, yeah, but so good. Um, so I finished that. I've been smashing through the Walking Dead season nine. I've almost finished that. Um, and today, Jamie, I went back to my one of my favorite TV series ever, which I've not picked up for a while. I went back to the Blacklist. Oh, and I watched a couple episodes of that today as well. And I was like, ah. Oh, Yes, I'm a mom, which I love this show. So literally, we're finished. We're done. It's going back on. Um, it's it's so good. It's on series nine now. Wow, really? Yeah, it's that. That's how well it's getting. Like how good it is. I'm on series five, um, and I obviously completed and finished Daddy season nine, season eight. That finished on Sunday night, so I watched that today. Uh, glorious, absolutely. Well, I love John Oliver so much, um, and former guest Norm McNeil was on it as well. So that was absolutely wonderful to see. Um, but yeah, it's really good. So I highly recommend you go watch Last Week Tonight with John Oliver because I can't stop binging. I can't stop watching him. I love him. Love him. And I can watch him over. It's a show. I can watch over and over and over again and still laugh my ass off. I love those sort of shows. <laughs> yeah, it's so funny. It's so good. Um, God, it's done for another year, but back February next year. So do you realise it goes from February to November every year? Did you know that? I didn't know it. It's amazing, isn't it? So can't wait for season nine. So excited. So yeah, man, that's uh, that's pretty much my week. Beautiful. Sounds like you've uh, had a good time. Do you reckon that we should uh, hear from one of our sponsors? Oh, go on then. Hey, Jamie. Do you like being cosy? I do. And do you like staying cosy? I like that even more. Then just heading over to www.staycozyclothing.com Where you can find hoodies, tees, sweaters and much, much more. With a new fall line out now. And just enter The Chronicles as one word at checkout to receive 10% off your order. And make sure you follow them on the Instagram at staycozyclothing to keep up to date with all the new designs. Remember, guys, that's The Chronicles as one word at checkout to receive 10% off your order. And now back to this week's episode.
Hi, I'm Noel McNeil, and once upon a time, I was a bear in a big blue house. And now, I'm listening to The Chronicles of Podcast. Jamie. Yes? It's time for Callum's Street Chains. Yeah, it is. Welcome to Callum's Street Chains. And welcome, ladies and gents, to another wonderful few Street Chains from Callum himself. I didn't know how to word that. I really fucked the wording, didn't I? <laughs> but still, never mind. You know what you meant. It's fine. Hey, Jamie, should we get started? Go on, then. What is Callum treating us this week? Anti-mask has really overestimate how much we want to see their faces. But yeah, they really do. They really do. <laughs> I, the thing is, though, anti-maskers don't wear masks, do they? No. Would an anti-masker not wear a mask? Yeah. Is that the whole point? Or do they wear ones to make sure you don't know who they are? Because the anti-maskers here in Cardiff don't wear them, so you know exactly who they are. Well, this yeah. is very true. They have, they Plus, have, they let you know vocally because they're worse than fucking vegans. And they have megaphones. <laughs> I'm not wearing a mask! You're all sheep. You're all sheep following the orders. Look at you all, you sheep. It's not uh, a vaccine. A vaccine like, is a cure. It's a drug. How are you not dead yet, then? Uh, yeah, the fucking death of these people. But you know what the problem is with that is, and I don't mean to get into politics, I, I won't get into it, but I'll say Donald Trump's fake news thing has ruined everything for everybody now. Pretty much. Yeah, that's where all that fucking shit stemmed from. Trump ruined everything for everyone. Anyway. But still, Jamie. Yes. What else is Callum treating us this week? If your son is a priest, do you still call him father? <laughs> more about that what he said or the way he said it's like this has been on his mind like restless nights and everything's like oh if your son is a priest do you still call him father (laughs) (laughs) so good that is amazing i need an answer for that one but surely you'd have to wouldn't you because isn't that the classification of it so you'd you'd have to go oh my son's a father yeah, that's, get, that's so good. I just good. get this image of this Catholic walking out of a church, seeing his son, who's the, who's the priest, be like, beautiful service, father, son, father, son, father, <laughs> son, father. Fuck, I don't know. Granddad, grandma, <laughs> sister. I don't know. It's like the uh, people who get the, uh, when they're older and you get the um, the family tree wrong. So you go to your son's eye. You know what, David, Alex, George, Tom, <laughs> Sean, Sean. Uh, I buy that the cars again? run you over. <laughs> Watch out, Alex, David, George, boom. (laughs) (laughs) I love Lee Evans. (laughs) No, that is amazing. I need to know an answer for that. So do I. I'd be really intrigued, actually. Um, If anybody has kids that are priests, can you let us know, please? Does anyone just know a priest? Let's just narrow it down to that much. We need to know this. That's what I know if everyone still calls their son father. That's so good. That is so (laughs) good. It's amazing. I was like, didn't want to like answer or give any context to it. Cause I was like, that's such a great treat that, you know, I just don't want to touch it. But Jamie, finally, what is Callum treating us this week? Microbiologists are actually a lot bigger than you think they are. <laughs> I don't know what that laugh was. It just came out of my face. <laughs> that really tickled me. <laughs> 
oh, just, just wonderful. <laughs> but what you, makes you, it you, worse for me is I have to see microbiologists at work every fucking day. <laughs> just, oh, I love the English language and I love the way Callum's mind works. I don't want to go into context to that because that's just wonderful. <laughs> you, you can't really. What can you no. say to that? Callum's done it again. You made a really good point when you were like, why is the greatest part of our show the part that we're not in? (laughs) Such is life. Oh, Callum, you have just... I just love you. We don't deserve you. I say this every week. We don't, because it's just wonderful. (laughs) Oh. That really tickled me. Do you realise, Jamie, that I've got to fucking follow this now? Yes, you do. It's time for Tom's journal. Yeah, it is. And welcome to another edition of Tom's journal. Welcome to another edition of my book. That beautiful, so, beautiful book. I realised that I missed a part out of my weekly. So when I was at the other halves on Friday, we, me, her, and her mum watched a movie together called Twenty One Bridges. With it's Chadwick Boseman's last ever movie on Amazon Prime. It's fucking good. Uh, but there was a scene in it. And I was, it's made me think, they made me think, so, Jamie, when police cars come flying into a crime scene in movies, do you reckon they make their entrance as dramatic as possible, or do they think they know exactly where to park the car? Because <laughs> <laughs> they'll just fly in, don't they? It's like, how do they, they do smash it. into each other? Like, it makes no sense. That's <laughs> just really a thought good I had. <laughs> Makes you want to go to America and like hang around a crime scene. Just watch how they turn up there. Yeah, but even in movies, like you know how the cars will come flying in, like yeah, yeah, like, yeah. make it really dramatic. It's like, uh, do I plan this or you know what? Or do I try to make it as dramatic as possible? You have to swerve out the way of everybody else. Yeah, Dave, I'm going to turn up on the left. You go for the middle. You go for the right. Sorted, mate. Make it like the red arrows. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh. Did you, this is a really good, con- me and the other half having this conversation on the way back from Cheltenham on Sunday. Hilarious email addresses when you were younger. Oh, God. Did you ever have some unbelievably embarrassing email addresses when you were younger? What did you have? Evilbreadstick at hotmail.com. Evilbreadstick. Yes. <laughs> I lo- Don't ask me for context because I can't remember. I love all the, like, the girls who have like Princess Bunny. Like, like uh, I don't know what else. Oh, we had loads and I've forgotten all of them. It's the um, ones that were like, Big X, little X, something, something, little X, big X. Sparkle Queen at hotmail.com. <laughs> <laughs> and then the guys would have like too hot for your bod at hotmail.com. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. I'm trying to think if I had any others. That was the worst one, evil breadstick. I don't know what the fuck that was about. <laughs> I want people to let me, because you get some, when I was at where Ecotricity, when I used to work at the car finance place at Lloyd's and stuff. You used to get some absolutely amazing email addresses where you're like, wow, really? Oh, don't judge me, don't judge me. Well, just update it. Just update it. Yes. The wife does that, in fact. When she tells her email address, she's like, oh, I made it years ago. I'll fucking change it then. Bad Bad Bunny 44 or Bad Bunny 66, 69. <laughs> 69. Yes, yeah. 69. Oh, so oh, that, getting thrown into the audience participation room, that is. That's got to go. Oh yes, yes, yeah. Yes, that's absolutely. getting thrown in. That's getting thrown in. I'd love to have some amazing, awful emails from when we were kids. <laughs> um, so you know how much we love to Rihanna. Oh yeah. And we also about where, where, where. Well, I've got a new one for you. 
Ooh, Fifth Harmonying. Fifth Harmonying? Because they've got a song called Work From Home featuring that stupid T-Y dollar sign. Why do rappers have dollar signs in their names? I don't get it. Stop oh, doing it. No. But their song's called Work From Home. It goes, you want to work, 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 work. You know you want to work, 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 work. <laughs> it did my fucking nutting. Uh, the other half loves it. Um, but I was like, ah, oh, re-entering. I like it. Fifth harmonying now. <laughs> Is so that for the people that still work from home because of COVID? I don't know. Just a song called Work From Home. I don't know where it's come from, but probably. Right. Now. Come the picture round. Ooh. The picture round. So, well, you know, this is the picture <laughs> I find online that made me laugh my fucking ass off. So this is the first one. So Jamie, did you know that male bees die after mating? Like, that's their whole life. Honey, nut, cheerio. <laughs> <laughs> For fuck's sake. Fuck's sake. <laughs> I like that. That's good. Oh, I like that. This really made me laugh. And I this is exactly something I used to do. Jamie, you know when you're a grown-up, when you actually pick the ice cube up instead of kicking it under the fridge. <laughs> I still kick them under the fridge. Do you? I pick them up now. I always pick them up and throw them in the bin. I don't know why I do it. It's really weird. In you the just, bin, why not in the sink? It's water, just, it's going to melt. I, I don't know, all right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Who am I, kid? I can't judge. I kick him under a fucking piece of electrical equipment. <laughs> I remember when I was, um, this is years ago, this is my bed sit, and uh, I was my freezer wouldn't shut, so I got a knife and was like smashing away at the ice, oh, yeah, straight through the pipes. Oh, not good. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I was like, shit, and I had to pay for a new fridge. That fucking destroyed me, that did. I wasn't a very rich man back then, Jamie. That's why I lived in a fucking bed sit on my own. <laughs> and you definitely weren't after that. Anyway. <laughs> man and wife are asleep. Man snaps out of his deep sleep. Oh, is Cookie Monster a species or a name? <laughs> oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. That's really clever. But is Cookie Monster his species or his name? What do you think it is? Well, I he has a co- he has a cousin. Was it? Yeah, I think it's a cousin named Biscuit Monster. Does he? It must be. He's a, a British cousin, so it must be. Noel, if you're listening to this episode, can you get <laughs> yes. in touch and let us know? Noel McNeil, if you're listening to this show, message us and let us know if he's a species or if it's his name. And next time I ask, I might actually just message him and ask him. Okay. So this is more of a statement than anything else. Do you remember these days, Jamie? Kids these days don't remember this. I feel sorry for Netflix era kids. They will never know the high stakes adrenaline of running to the bathroom, the fridge, or the bedroom in a single ad break with the beckoning call of a sibling screaming, it's on! Oh, so yeah. Hurdling back over furniture to get back in time. <laughs> <laughs> While the adverts are on, put the kettle on. Oh, high-speed tea-making, let's go! Yeah, he's doing it in 24, because 24 used to have three breaks. There's on BBC Two and on Sky One. And it was just like, my mum was like, I want a tea. Should we do it? I was like, let's go, let's go, let's go. Let's do this. We could get there. And I was like, mum, it's on, mum, come back, it's on! (laughs) Do you remember those days where you couldn't pause TV? Oh, yeah, it was terrible. I don't even realise how much we take modern technology for granted. Tell me, right? Tell me. (laughs) Tell me. 
So I found these two parts of the journal whilst we were waiting for our interview earlier. Somebody tweeted, Twitter needs an update where you can play music on your page so when somebody comes on your page, they're going to be hearing your favourite song. And somebody replied with, we have finally reached a generation that doesn't know what MySpace is. I was about to say, what MySpace? <laughs> How scary is that? Oh, that's a horrible thought. Yep, because I was like 16, 17 when MySpace was around. I remember the days you could uh, to update your MySpace profile using HTML codes and shit. Oh, I the days. Those were the days. Those I think I had Reg- Regis Apparatus was my go-to. I think I had the audition on there once as well. I change mine all the time. I, can't I, date remember, I think Data Member was on there as well. I think. I'm trying to think now. I know Register Power Race definitely was. I think MySpace is actually still a thing. It is. Might make a new profile. See what it's like now. And then somebody really tickled my pickle and made me think a lot with this with this quote. Okay. So it's Christmas related, since we're getting close. I thought that the kid who saw Mummy kissing Santa Claus saw Mummy participating in in an affair before I ever considered it was the dad dressed as Santa. You know, I read this myself not long ago, and I still, to this day, thought that Mum was having an affair. I never put that together that it was the dad in costume. No, neither did I. <laughs> to this day. Because it's the Jacksons, isn't it? So I was like, I'm surprised that Joe Jackson didn't beat the fuck out of him. <laughs> it's crazy when you think about it, you go... Uh, like it's a sudden realization moment. I was today. I hate people say this. I was today years old when I realized this. Yeah, that blew uh, my mind. I was like, "Oh my god, it is! It's the dad." Crazy. I do you know what I actually saw. That was this. That was another edition of Tom's journal. But I also read. I also saw a video which uh, Call Me Chris shared, uh, where the guy had a McDonald's, and he put his cup down with a straw in. And then the burger, you know, it's got the gap in the middle. He placed it over the straw. And I was like, what the ass is going on? And he had the burger and the chips and the drink in the middle. Now, obviously, Brilliant, don't drink your drink while you've got your chips and your burgers out there because they will go everywhere if you sit that. But you could also just put your mouth over it. You didn't have to pick it up off the table. I was like, that is mind-blowing. It's quite genius, isn't it? I've seen that before, yeah. It's pretty genius. I've never done it, but I've seen it. I might, might try it and be like, watch people be like, what the hell is he doing? <laughs> Film that for our Instagram, below our listeners' minds. Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. So, uh, should we hear from another one of our sponsors? Oh, go on then. Hi, I'm Frank Guglielmelli, and I'm the narrator for some wonderful audio dramas from Syscast, like Marty and Mars, Bounty Hunters, and a great part in Val Toby, with much more to come. You can find these programs on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. Or head over to our website, www.syscast.com. We are excited to announce that we are now affiliated with the Chronicles of Podcast with Tom and Jamie. Now, let's get to this week's interview. Now, before we start dealing with the piece, we need to dedicate this interview, this episode, to one of our dear friends and listeners, Miss Gemma Williams. Okay. Have you heard what's happened to Miss Williams? No. Miss Williams had a car accident. What? She drove into a deer. Holy shit. Her car's totaled. Is the deer all right? Oh, the deer is dead. I'm joking. I'm joking. To be fair, my instant reaction, my instant reply was, I hope you said sorry to the deer. <laughs> is she okay? She's okay. Just shook up. But 
the reason we need to apologize and dedicate this episode to her is because when this happened, she was listening to our show. Oh, really? <laughs> so in my head, I got it that we are so funny and amazing that we distracted her. She didn't see the deer and had this accident because of us being amazing. So that that's how I'm looking at it. Sorry, Jem. Really hope you're okay. Sending you know, peace, love, and hugs. Really hope you're all right. Seriously, though. Like... But no, yeah. In all seriousness, Gemma, we hope you're okay. So... We didn't mean to make you have an accident. No, we're sorry our amazingness killed a deer. So, okay. <laughs> I tried to do that about laughing. It didn't happen. <laughs> anyway. But, uh, Jamie, um, I don't suppose you've got that piece, have you? I left it with you last week. You've well, not let it out, have you? It, I think you've got it. I definitely think you've got it this time. Have I? Let me have a look around here. Oh, he's that. He's asleep in the corner. Is he? I didn't even see I, him come in. I dropped. I dropped him off. Oh, he, he was doing my fucking head in. Sh- should I wake him or should I leave him asleep? Yeah, let's get him. Let's go. Yeah, welcome to the Here piece of resistance. Is. Welcome to the chronicles of Adam Gubman. Adam Gubman is a composer. He works for Disney. He works for ridiculous. He does music for games. He does insane amounts of things. And what I loved about him the most was he was the most loveliest, most eccentric person. I had so much fun talking to him. I was actually gutted this interview ended. <laughs> yes, I, I didn't. I I have to apologise. It was my reason that we had to end it. Granted, it was about an hour and a half, and we had to end it. It but was going strong because I was going to work. So it was annoying. But we will get Mr. Goodman back on for part two, definitely because. Yeah, what a personality, what a man. Absolutely. So obviously, if you've seen The Greatest Showman and you've heard the song This Is Me, Adam played a big part of that. He's worked for Disney, made songs for Disney. He makes songs for Blizzard Gaming Company. He does so much and is genuinely one of the loveliest people on this planet. There needs to be more Adam Governments. Um, I would also advise that you potentially go watch the YouTube rather than listen to the audio because yeah. first of all, you get all the bonus content of everything that happened before we started the interview. Plus, there's a lot of special guests in, uh, <laughs> in the interview this week. Um, there's a lot of animals. Um, and if you listen to the audio, it will make no sense. But if you watch the YouTube, trust me, it will make perfect sense. And you need to watch the video as well to see this man's version of a coffee mug. Oh, yes. <laughs> I forgot all about that. Incredible. Just incredible. Adam was generally one of the loveliest people I've, we've spoken to. Uh, we had a lot of fun. And like Jamie said, we'll get him back for part two. And we really hope that you enjoy this. Jamie, any final words? Just as I say every week, a massive thank you to Adam for coming on. This was so much fun. We had an absolute blast. Ladies and gentlemen, here we go. Ladies and gentlemen, interviewing this week, he is a musical composer for Disney, Blizzard, amongst other companies. He has a few dogs and a few cats. That's right. Watch the YouTube kids. It's Adam Gubman. Hello, everybody. Today, we have another fantastic guest of us, a man who has written and performed scores for movies, theme parks, and over a thousand video games. And I'm sure there's tons more that I haven't even found. And he's even produced a song that went on to win a Grammy Award. Here to tell his story and how he creates such magic, we welcome you to the Chronicles of Adam Goodman. 
That was so fancy. What a fancy intro. Well, thank you. Did some research. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it likes this way that's to do, you see. That's a butter you work bad on. That's to like, you know, lure you into a false sense of security. <laughs> like, yeah. It's like, come on, come, just, just come join us. Come on. It's okay. It's okay. Nothing's gonna happen uh, here. Uh, right. <laughs> I just breathe into the pain. I'll take it, whatever <laughs> Um, <laughs> I don't even know. I mean, that list is wild. I it's, it's sounds crazy. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I guess I did a, a couple, I've done a couple things, um, over the years and, uh, and I'm very, I'm just, look, I, I'm really happy to be doing this job and, you know, the credits are a thing, but I love that I can wake up every day and write music and it's, you know, I've worked my ass off to get here. There's no luck. There's, I mean, there's a little luck, there's a little luck, but uh, I've always, uh, had the work ethic that makes me want to grind, you know, do that 6am get up and do the early morning calls and, and do the podcasts and, and, and meet folks and go out and get drinks, which I mean, that's terrible, right? Drinking scotch. Who doesn't like that? Um, but, uh, you know, and anything that I can do to, um, uh, further my career I've, I've done with fervor and, uh, excitement, um, and embraced it all as just part of, the machine that runs the industry. I, I love it all. So, um, you know, the, the, I, I, I always tell people make no mistake about it. This is literally a seven day a week gig. And it's been that way for me for God, 20 something years. I'm 40, 42. So I've been, I've been doing this somewhat professionally since I was 19 or 20. Um, and all those years, it's, it's been a consistent flow of work ethic and lots of ups and downs, of course, and lots of uh, no's and, and missed opportunities because I just simply wasn't paying attention or, uh, but yeah, it's, it's been grueling and I'm, I'm thrilled that I still, that people still call me. So that's a good thing. I think. Well, well, I think fate always finds, you always find your way, don't you, no matter what. I truly believe that everyone, you know, everyone's got a path or whatnot. And if it's meant to be, it will be, you know, so so yeah, but let's get to a hard hit. Let's get start like with the hard hitter. Adam, how how has your last eighteen months been? How has your pandemic season been? Uh, oh man! Well, besides me, like uh, wanting to kill my children every day, <laughs> and, and and you know, I mean, it's 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 been good and it's been bad. Like there's been times when I've been like, Oh my God, I'm so happy to have everybody here. And other times I'm like, get the fuck out of my studio. And I slam the door <laughs> and I'm like, even you dogs and you cats, nobody's in here. And I kick everybody out. And, and that's, fun. um, uh, I, I got a little fat and then I got skinny and, uh, but I think we all did that. Right. We all like put on our COVID 15, um, got lonely. <laughs> And you get lonely even when you're surrounded by people because the loneliness comes from like talking to people you don't know. It's really interesting to me too, is I've discovered that I, I mean, I love my family and I love having them here, but I also love meeting new people. And I love, I love uh, being put into situations where I'm really uncomfortable because it forces me to do like this, like perform, like I, I do all the time. Um, but uh, uh, I, I did learn real quick that a lot of my loneliness was coming from just like not seeing industry friends and, and not seeing my family. I, w- I went like six months without hugging my mom. That's weird. Right. That's a long yeah. time. Yeah. Uh, and, and that kind of sucked, but you know, as the world sort of uh, came to its senses and came around, all that started to come back, but work wise. Oh, but I, I, and I didn't pick up any weird hobbies. Like people did like the bread, the cooking bread or baking bread or like, yeah. what? no, I took that back. Me and my assistant who, <laughs> 
who lived here for a minute. We tried to make kombucha a few times and I thought I died once, but it was, uh, and then we like, stopped. What? Kombucha, it's like fermented tea. Have you never had kombucha? Maybe it's no. like a, a bougie LA thing, but they, they take like um, a, a tea and, and see, that's one surprise you don't have it because in the UK, it's a tea-based drink. So I, I assume that you would. Um, and they use a, a bacterial culture to ferment it like, a, like an ale. Well, not like an ale, but like any sort of bubbly that's based off of fermented something. So you put sugar in, in the tea and you put the um, culture in there and it ferments for a couple of weeks and you get this mildly alcoholic, refreshing, uh, probiotic beverage that is coveted by yogis everywhere, apparently. And it's, it's really quite delicious, but it's a major pain in the ass to make. So we stopped doing that after one batch. But um, yeah, question, you've been raising your hand. I know. Yeah, I yeah, yeah. I was, no, it's fine. I say you, you died. I, I felt like I, I felt like we died. Like we, the last batch we made was was pretty rancid, and it made me pretty ill. So, uh, and, and oh, we decided not to do it after that. And oh, I tried to drink a couple of them, but it, yeah. So, so that was how my COVID was. Aside from that, we really learned how to navigate the uh, the industry in sort of a new way um, through like the remote recording thing and reaching out and connecting with folks that were willing to do what we were doing before in bigger studios, but in a remote capacity. Um, so. For us, my, my business partner, Alex Cox, and I, we, we work remotely anyway. They live in Oakland. I live in LA. So, well, Orange County. So for us, we've always been split. We've always had meetings over Slack. Um, our clients are international, so we've always met with folks that way. Um, but what we hadn't really done before is set ourselves um, in the forefront of uh, being able to produce AAA quality work remotely entirely. So clients of mine like Blizzard and Disney, we went from going to, you know, a big studio in LA to uh, recording singers one at a time for Hearthstone and, and getting like this, you know, 40 person choral sound um, with one singer recording their individual parts and then another singer recording their individual parts and then me piecing it all together. So um, a lot of the stuff that you've well, that fans of Hearthstone, for example, have heard over the past year uh, have been almost entirely recorded um, remotely. Uh, vocalists, musicians, everything. I think my guitar player has come over here twice in the past 18 months to record. Um, and that's only been recently. Uh, I've had one vocalist come over in the past 18 months um, to do a demo for Disney. And uh, aside from that, now, you know, we kind of love recording remotely. It, I, I don't have to go anywhere. I can, I, it gives me more time with my kids and um, it allows me to kind of be creative and, 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 you know, musicians love it too, because they don't have to show up an hour early or half an hour early or drive from East LA to West LA, which is really an hour and a half crazy sometimes, you know, just halfway across town um, to go and, and play for 20 minutes. They can do uh, 30 minutes of playing in their home and make up almost as much as they're making doing union work. Uh, but never have to leave. And we all do it in our underwear. <laughs> oh, you didn't know that was coming, Tom? I think that's the most cliche uh, COVID joke. I, no, I literally, no, I'm not in my underwear now, but I will tell you, I've worn like these board shorts. I, I think I wear them five days a week now. And I, I do wash them once or twice a week, but like, I don't have to, I, don't, I haven't even put on jeans in a minute. Like who, I, I don't know. I, I used to love clothes. I don't, I just don't do it. 
it's so funny because I wear, I live in shorts too, but I'm now not wearing them. I'm wearing different shorts because my other half was like, you've lived in those for months. Can you yeah. please, <laughs> please take them off? Please wash them. I'm sick yeah. of seeing you in them. <laughs> yeah. okay. I only just recently started buying uh, clothes again. And it's weird too, because, you know, we go out to conferences, we go to like the studio dates and, and we travel, um, you know, all over the U S uh, meeting clients and stuff. And, and I'd be buying new clothes, you know, every two or three months. Oh, I need a new shirt. I need this. They saw me in this. I got to wear new clothes. But now it's like, whatever, I got the same fucking white t-shirt on. And and at least I comb my hair for you guys. Yeah, that's, well, I appreciate that. That's a major win. Uh, <laughs> it's the most, I've, I, like, I usually wear a, a baseball cap. So it's like, my, when my wife saw me doing my hair this morning, she's like, where are you going? What are you, what are you doing? I'm like, oh, I'm talking to these guys. She's like, who are they? Why are you doing your hair for them? <laughs> are they prettier than me? Wow. No. <laughs> Definitely not. So, Adam, take us back. When growing up, what was the plan for young master Goodman, as I like to say? Was it always music? Um, that's a yeah, I mean, always, honestly, always. I everything I've ever done in my life, I've um prepared myself for my career because I knew from like seven or eight that I loved making music. Actually, really what it is is it's storytelling. I love telling stories. So I would um, come up with characters and, and the songs would support those characters. And I was writing lyrics from a really young age, like I think 11 or 12. And I was writing poetry before that. Um, really, really fascinated by other influential storytellers of my youth, Jim Henson and um, Alan Menken. And uh, of course, later on, Stephen Schwartz and of course, Stephen Sondheim. Um, uh, some of the more uh, indie animators of the time, like Plimptum and, and um, uh, you know, Don Bluth films and, and all these movies that sort of edged between um, the, the duality of youth and, and finding your dreams. And then a really dark conflict, Labyrinth, Dark Crystal, Secret of Nim, like I mentioned before, even Tom Sawyer, the, the, um, the uh, what was it? Um, the 70s version with the score by John Williams uh, that had wonderful songs. Um, all of all of that media back then uh, told very mature storylines. And, and I was fascinated. And, and I, I love that dichotomy of of having something. It's like Ben Fold sa says, he goes, you know, my, my music is so beautiful. He said that I can write a love song and say fucking it and it's OK. <laughs> and that's kind of like how I feel about um, about all of those early 80s animation movies and Jim Henson films is that they they pushed the limit of what was acceptable and you know we went through a long period after that in in the mid to late 90s until almost till now where uh children's programming and and you know slightly older children's programming became so saccharine and watered down that there was nothing like there was no life lessons no substance to it i mean you look at things like blues clues and it's, it's cute and it's fun and it's like let's go but it does i mean it, it still gives you a really uh jaded well uh, protected view of, of the world. But when we were kids, you know, um, stories like, like the secret of Nim, where, where you see a, a, a young, and, and I know it's a mouse representing that, but a young person's home being destroyed and their father had passed. And then mom has to gather up her children and get the neighbors to help them move before before they all get murdered. I mean, that's a fucking heavy storyline score yeah. by Jerry Goldsmith. Um, and, <laughs> and one of the most beautiful songs ever, Flying Dreams in that movie also is, is still to this day, one of my all time favorite songs. But um, 
that set me up, man. That set me up. And I'll, I'll tell you what, Jamie, it's like when, when you are passionate about something and whether it's football or, 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 uh, you know, bird watching or, or cooking or whatever, it becomes just part of the fabric of your nature. It's, it's like really the Lego pieces that built my castle. It's really what it is. So I, there was never a time when I thought I wasn't going to do it. I know people around me um, were just like, all right, buddy, you go get your dreams. He's going to become a salesperson. He'll be teaching piano forever. He got a job at Jamba Juice. Maybe one day he'll own the franchise. It's like shit like that, right? Yeah. Um, and I mean, and, and, and no shame in any of those jobs. I didn't mean to offend any Jamba Juice owners. Um, I apologize. Uh, but um, it's funny because I did work for Jamba Juice and I was like, I did some pretty bad things. In that. So I don't know if I can say it on this. I shouldn't say it here, but I was why? not the best. Why? Boy. Why? Let, let me let me just say that if the till was over, sometimes some of the employees ended up with some extra cash. <laughs> and and to the owner of that Jamba Juice in Newport Beach, Joel, I'm sorry. I hope you're still with us. You might have passed. I don't know. It was a long time ago. Um, but uh, but uh, if you want that twelve dollars back, um, I live in Ladera Ranch, and you know where to find me. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> regardless. Um, I, I did, I put everything into it and, and my parents, uh, paid for my lessons and my grandparents paid for some of my music lessons. And in high school, I was producing bands and I was renting equipment and my dad was helping me, um, get connections to recording studios, to record things. And, and I was making other friends that wanted to do what I wanted to do. And it's so interesting because a lot of those friends that I met, we all inspired each other so much that two of the guys I went to high school with that played on my very first album when I was 15, went off to have massive careers. My One of my buddies, Kevin, went off to uh, Broadway and he starred in Les Mis for like, God, for forever, like 12 years um, as Marius. And then um, and then he did Ragtime and some other stuff. And, and oddly enough, now he lives in my neighborhood here. Um, and then another friend of mine, Andy Dodd, who, who was my favorite guitar player when we were 15, went on to write a lot of the music for High School Musical. And... Uh, Cheetah Girls and Hannah Montana, and he had a massive career as a songwriter for Disney with his part with his business partner. Um, now he's selling insurance; doesn't do that anymore. But um, he made all his money and retired because he was so fucking successful. Uh, so it, it's really wild that from our high school, you know, those of us that were artistic were always in each other's you know presence, trying to create and inspire and make cool shit. Because really, at the heart of it. Um, we weren't thinking about business. We were just thinking about making our art. And back then was the perfect time to do it, the perfect time to explore and to learn technology. My grandfather, God rest his soul, put me on a, a MIDI program called Deluxe Music Construction Set on the PC in 1984. And so from 1984, when I was five years old, I was already clicking in notes into the computer and, and discovering the joy of, of hearing back my own music. And to some degree, you do become a fan of yourself because if you're not passionate enough to love the work you're doing and to also see the next steps and, and know where your deficiencies are and know how to grow from those, then, then you, I, don't, I don't think it's really possible to, to uh, have a career. You know, all these, all these folks that I have the, the pleasure and, and absolute honor of working with, um, Alan Macon, who I mentioned before, who I've done a handful of things with, Mark Scheiman, who I continue to collaborate with, um, Aaron's and Flaherty, who I continue to collaborate with, Pasek and Paul, they all know the value of what they're bringing to the table. They're very passionate about their work, but they're also really kind folks that want to create this environment of 
of sort of um, uh, in the spirit of mutual creation. You know, when I work with them, they don't they don't micromanage. And 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 when I'm not the guy running the ship, I, I, I do get to work with people that give me the autonomy to help them, you know, uh, increase the value in their work, which I, I feel like I'm, I try to do, you know, and, and I see this very technical thing like that as as sort of like a side a side person that pops in to help support other people's careers. Um, so yeah, man, I know that's a long way to answer your question. You, you guys thought you were going to talk more. I, I should have warned you. Um, no, 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 no. We like this. People hear us talk all the bloody time. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, fair enough. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I, you know, I, I could never be, I, I could have never done anything else. I, I was really fortunate too that, that my wife supported me. Um, when she, she had, she has four degrees. She's like really smart. Now she just stays at home and watches the kids and, and well, I say that, but really what she is, is she's our family manager. So, you know, she manages the three and the driving schedules and, and the house cleaning and everything in between people's homework and, and dealing with the other parents and all that. And she's really wonderful at that. So I can do what I do. And I, and it's sort of like having a business partner. In fact, it is like having a business partner that, that grants me the ability to do what I do best because we know that without each other, we could not manage this enterprise, right? So um, when we were younger, she did uh, support me by buying my very first microphone for me that I still use now on, on some projects. And it's a Shure KSM 32, or no, it's a 44 and, and I love it. And I use it still on vocals and stuff. And she bought me uh, one of my first computer rigs and, and, and hopefully now I've paid her back you know, with lots of uh, arguing and, and <laughs> my undergarments and, and all those but, um, but aside from that, pick up yeah. your underwear. No, <laughs> I brought you a computer. <laughs> then you get accused of doing it on purpose. Like you left it there because you knew that I would pick it up. No, I didn't even know you were picking it up. In fact, I don't even think I knew I was leaving it there because it's always done. And I didn't know who was doing it, but I guess it's you. Um, so that, you know, it's, uh, it, it does, <laughs> it is a machine. And, uh, and I've put all my energy into it. And that's, that's the truth. That's the short answer. That's so, the short answer. Wow. Now we have time for one more question. And I'm just yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so at what point did you decide that you wanted to do this as a career then? Not just a, I like doing this as a thing, you know, this is, I'm going to make my living doing this. Mm-hmm. Well, there was a time when I was in eighth grade and we had this uh, um, economy studies project. And the project was to create something and sell it, right? And so I was like, I'm going to make an album. Fuck this. I'm not going to, you know, people are doing like, I'm going to make brownies. And I'm going to make a t-shirt. I was like, no, I'm going to get like some kids I know here in eight. And this was in Minnesota, which if, if you're not familiar with the geography of the United States, is right smack dab in the middle of the coldest part of the United States. So we have a lot of time there. Um, I had a lot of time when I was a kid to just sort of hunker down and be creative and I did it and I did it um, uh, with wild abandon for all of my winters that we lived there uh, from making movies in the basement with my sister to writing music. And I knew that this was another opportunity to do that. So um, I had a friend, his name was Ryan and his dad was um, a broadcaster on the local NBC affiliate. And they had a recording studio in their basement. And I, I told Ryan what I wanted to do. And he was like, oh, my dad says you can borrow this four track, just take it home and learn how to use it. And this must have been like 1993, right? I'd never really used a four track recorder before. Um, I, I was always just recording stuff on a normal cassette recorder. 
uh, back then. So I went home and I learned it and I started recording my songs. And then I was like, well, I'm going to add some violin to it. And so I called a violin player friend of mine. Then I called the cello player friend. And then we did a little guitar and then we did some, you know, just a variety of things. Anyways, cut to the chase. We, we printed out a hundred copies of the cassette tape and my mom and my, my dad and my grandfather all helped me photocopy, well, photo, sorry, um, record copy the um, uh, cassette tape. And then uh, my aunt uh, gifted me with a cover that she drew by hand for it. And I photocopied that and printed it out. And we sold all a hundred of them for $3 no. each. And at that point, I walk away with $300 in my pocket and the teachers are like, what the fuck? <laughs> you made more money on this than we made this week. And they, they were saying like, they were like, this is the most money we've ever seen any kid make at any of these events. And, and all I did was set up a little, you know, like science project looking trifold cardboard that said the name of the album. And, and I put pictures of everybody that played on it. And I put my picture and I put the song track listing. And, and, and at that point I was like, okay, so there are people that are interested in buying my music. And from there, um, my dad, um, got in contact with a, a record label in Minneapolis and they're like, sure, we'll, we'll finish this record with him. So then we did a record out there at that point we had moved to California, but we still had the um, connections out there. And so from there it was like, well, I don't, you know, I don't see any other way. Like I, I'm just going to keep making and selling music. And I knew I wanted to get into video games, but I, I didn't know like exactly. And I knew I wanted to do Disney. And then I knew I wanted to do animation. So there's all these things on my bucket list that I've started to like check off over the years, just sort of these water, little watershed moments of, of understanding and personal development where I've really enjoyed learning these new at angles to the industry. God that damn. Is nuts. That is nuts. Adam, um, do you have any time to like breathe or eat or live <laughs> at all? <laughs> so, Tom, believe it or not, my work day is maybe four and a half hours. What I do, I do four and a half hours a day. I'm I typically write about um, an hour of, of a minute of music fully produced within an hour. So some of my work days are a little longer, but if I can do four to five minutes of music a day, that's a massive day for me. My goal really though is two minutes a day and that, and I can maintain my lifestyle off of two or three minutes of music a day. And, you know, in, in depending on the client, one minute of music could be anywhere between a thousand dollars and five thousand dollars. So now the level of clients that we have, I don't really have to work as much um, all the time. Some days I'm working more, like uh, on crunch times. Like this, the past six weeks have been kind of insane. We've had um, a park expansion project for Disney that I can't really talk about yet. I'm That's working right. on a, a project for SeaWorld that I also can't talk about. Um, and then uh, a massive expansion for one of the games that I, I have been supporting. And then um, I've been working uh, heavily on this other game for Blizzard that they've announced, but they haven't announced who's working on it. So I can't really announce that either. But all these projects have demanded a lot of my time lately. So the past six weeks have been a little wild. But today I, I'm, I'm done. I'm pretty much done for the day. Yesterday I did, I've got everything under control. So yesterday I did like maybe four hours and then I put an hour in in the afternoon just to answer some emails. Um, but, uh, you know, without my amazing business partner, none of that would be possible because Alex really um, helps me steer the ship. And, and we do a lot of trade-offs on the email communication and we do a lot of trade-offs on the invoicing and, and we've managed to keep our business, which is Moonwalk Audio, fairly 
small. We have no desire to grow to be this, um, you know, behemoth of a of a you know dinosaur company. We just we want to. We're making pretty good money, and we keep it uh, manageable, and it allows us to be completely bespoke and still treat our clients um, personally. Mm-hmm. and and give them the attention that they need and our rates have gone up because of it so we charge more uh but they get a better experience and they know that everything they do alex or i or both of us will touch um, we do have some contractors that work with us and we involve them on a lot of projects in different capacities like yoris and 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 kane yoris has been working with me for almost nine years now and he's a very valued collaborator. We've put him in-house basically at, at Zynga. And so he's managing their projects and then also managing stuff um, for us over here. But he does a lot of production stuff for me on the side. So we've collaborated on a, on a lot of different uh, projects, but still I'm, I'm working on those projects. And Kane is one of our co-writers and also uh, our guitar player. Um, one of our two guitar players, our other guitar player, Jeff, is playing on something like every two days for me. So the team that we've developed over here between our musicians, um, guys like uh, Adam Alisi and and vocalists like um, Gayatri, who's just a wonderful, Gayatri is, um, is uh, she gets called an ethnic vocalist sometimes, but she, but she's really not just an ethnic vocalist. She, she um, her, her nationality is Indian. So she does uh, traditional Indian music incredibly well but she's really an ethnomusicologist at heart. So to have her on our auxiliary team has been absolutely invaluable because what she brings to the table vocally and the musicians that she can contract for us is absolutely uh, out of this world. And in fact, Gayatri is one of my favorite um, uh, collaborators to work with on the Star Wars stuff for Disney because she brings such um, uh, a spirit of, of joy and and youthfulness and experimentation and creativity. And that's what I try to approach all my work with. To me, it's never a chore and it's never heavy handed. It's like, I have to write battle music. How much fun can I make this battle music? You know, even when you're like smashing heads, you should still have a, a glorious smile on your face and, and be petting bunnies all along the way. So, um, so you know, with with all this work I do, man, I, I, I absolutely... Uh, I absolutely am grateful for all my clients and our partner clients whom we have developed some really wonderful long-term relationships with and friendships that uh, uh, are worth more to me than the money that they, you know, pay us. It's, it's, it's wonderful to be able to work with people that you literally love and would do anything for. And, and our team is like that right now. So um, that's why we kept it small because bringing people inside our sort of intimate fold of folks, you know, we're really protective of this. Kane and, and Yoris and Alex and Gayatri and 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 some of our other singers that we hire, Barica May and Holly Sedios. And th- these are our these are our people. These are the people that that are my ride or die industry friends and my ride or die, like I would show up in a minute for all of them if they needed me because they've become family. We I know their who their parents are. I know, you know, who their spouses or partners are. I know their children, you know, um, uh, we have relationships with them like Berica. And I, I send notes to her husband, Mark all the time. And, and, and her daughter Prim is adorable and, and she checks in on me, but she is like one of the top call vocalists in LA. 
Like she has sung on literally every big movie. She was a soloist on the Lion King movie and all the Disney movies that come out now. And, and she works with the top, top folks, but I'm lucky enough to have her work for us. And, and she sings on almost every Hearthstone project we've ever done. Um, the bigger Disney stuff, uh, my Disney demos, like I, I could not run this business with my partner, Alex, without this crew of insanely talented collaborators. Wow. So, how much creative input do you have then as far as themes go with a project? Is it a case of the client telling you exactly what they want or they're like, zombie game, go? Yeah, it, it, depends, on, it depends on the client. There was a meme, a meme that came out the other day that said like five, uh, uh, $500 client. And then it was a list of feedback and it was like, this micromanagey long ass paragraph of bullshit. And then it said $50,000 client. Great. We'll take mix B. And that's literally what it's like. So my bigger clients nowadays hire me because they know that they're going to get me. They don't hire me anymore to channel other people. Sometimes I still have to channel other folks and we'll get temp music or music. That's like insp inspirational music that they like for their project, whatever the project is. Um, but then it's always our goal and the understanding that we're going to take that as like a portion of the ingredients of, of what we're trying to do. And then we're going to approach it with all the spirit and love that we do if we were writing for ourselves. Um, so there is, there is a degree of collaboration there, which, which we adore. And, and for example, um, audio director at Zynga, Chris Graner, uh, and I have developed a really wonderful collaborative spirit where he can just give me plant some seeds and tell me, Hey, like, this is what we're thinking for this. And then he'll say, go. And then I'll go and do something. He's like, man, I, that's, I was hoping you'd come up with something like that. I have the same relationship with, um, uh, with, with, uh, Anna Morgan at, um, at Blizzard, who is, is one of the, uh, top directors over there and directs all the Hearthstone cinematics and some of the other cinematics. And Anna and I uh, always have a, a conversation where, where she goes, okay, I want, I want you to be the best version of you you can be. And here's some inspiration that I go and do it. And it's like, it, it always works out better when people give me a little longer leash. It's the micromanaging that becomes tricky. Um, some of our clients that we've been uh, less successful with, and we are, we don't, we're not successful all the time. We fired clients. We've been fired off of projects. And usually that happens because of communication. Either I was an asshole or, and, and I try not to be, but it happens. Um, we, we're all guilty of that. Uh, and, and it usually only happens when a client starts out being really difficult. And, you know, and when I say asshole, I don't mean I'm like, fuck you guys. No, it's not like that. It's more like, <laughs> You know, I have to say, look, we've come to an impasse where um, we're not going to be able to proceed because communication just totally broke down and, and, you know, we'll release you from your contract obligations and they'll usually release us and we move on. And that's totally fine because not every client is going to be uh, an emotional fit. And this is a very emotional business and it's still business, but it is very emotional and it's artistic and everybody has opinions. And so those opinions sometimes don't match up with your experience. And so for me, when I approach a project, I always have the conversation with developers and I say, okay, well, we have a certain amount of experience. 
we know that you've never made a game before and, and, but you've made other, you, you know, you've done other things in video games, but now this is your first game as this new company. It's in a genre you've never made. We've done, you know, 12 dozen games in genre X. So let's advise you. And then sometimes they choose not to take any of your advice and that's okay because then my ego, I don't go, okay, well, you know, you didn't take my advice. That's fine. But when they are never happy, sometimes it's like, okay, well, now that we've explored everything you've wanted to explore, can we have a shot to show you what we think it would sound like? And usually at that point, they're like, oh, we get it. So now what we do with clients like that, that are a little difficult is we just right off the bat opt to do um, uh, a gratis demo. And we'll do like, you know, 20 to 30 seconds just to give them a flavor of what their project is going to sound like, you know, and, and if they hate it, they hate it because ultimately we're at the mercy of the client. So, you know, it is really whatever they want to do. And we're happy doing, you know, authentic roots, reggae, or, you know, country pop, whatever they ask us, you know, we'll, we'll do it or hire people to help us do it well. Um, but, uh, but we do love the autonomy and when it happens, it's really, a, it's really a, uh, a wonderful gift. If that makes sense. Yes. Absolutely. I mean, when you first started out then, when you first started, um, uh, the word has completely escaped my mind. Uh, composing, that's what I'm trying to go for. Um, so like for games or for TV or whatever, when you first started out, how would you approach companies that way? Did you have to uh, audition, I say, or were they, were they po- po- post that and be like, oh, we want someone to make a minute or two minutes of this and people just send shit in, that sort of thing? Yeah. So a little bit of, of all of the above, I, I was contracting for a company back then that uh, gave me um, a lot of credits. Well, not, not a lot of credits on paper, but they gave me a lot of gigs. And so I cut my teeth. Um, well, the, the first game I did was a pirate game and I did have to audition for that. And, and uh, I auditioned for gosh, three months d- demos and the whole thing. And then I, I co-wrote that game with my buddy, Jeff. Um, And we ended up ultimately doing two hours of music for that. That spilled into me working for this other company as a contractor for many years. I think I did almost eight years with them. And over the course of that eight years, I did close to 600 titles. Um, They they were telling everybody they had 40 composers and studios all around the world when really it was me and one other guy that was writing all this music. So I was doing like 30 to 40 minutes of original music a month for various games. So I got pretty good at wearing different hats. Now, I, I still suck at a few, like electronica is not always my thing. I, that's why I need Yoris because Yoris is so awesome at electronica. Um, and he can step in and help fill in some of the gaps where I have issues. And like, you know, I love doing like death metal, but, um, but uh, I, I'll call Kane to, to help me arrange the guitars on the death metal stuff because he's so fantastically talented at that. So, you know, getting all the experience that I did when I was younger um, through that company allowed me to be able to pitch to, to companies like Warner Chapel. And so I did a lot of, of, of um, uh, albums with Warner Chapel that were in a variety of styles. And when they came to me, they're like, well, we already have trailer folks and we've got, you know, guys that are doing epic stuff. What can you do? And I said, well, let me figure out where your needs are. And they needed comedy. And I was like, I love doing comedy. Let's do some really fucking weird shit. And, and they were Mormon. So I didn't say that, but I, but I said, <laughs> Let's do some really different type of, of work. And they're like, well, what do you have in mind? And so we did like a, um, an 8-bit Christmas album and we did this weird like um, 
sort of like swanky hypersexual like romantic cheese ball album and we did a bunch of like kids licensing albums so i think i did 12 or 13 records with them of all different flavors and and again that was just expanding my experience but that was another stepping stone for me because warner chapel had the budget to record live stuff and that was something that i had until that time when i was around 27 or whatever when i started working with them um uh not had that experience and so now, you know, they had big orchestras and we were doing big orchestra and guitar and mixing in Utah and doing all that. And then we would, I used those albums to help me get other gigs where I need. So, you know, every single gig was a way for me to sort of leverage the experience to do something else. And now I'm able to finally sit where I want to, because the only thing that I've really ever really wanted to do and that I get to do now is write songs for games. And so I had been pitching myself to do that uh, since I, my cat's screaming. Cricket. Cricket. What the fuck here? Yeah. Hey, uh-huh. fucking feed me. Um, no, so, um, <laughs> I had been pitching myself as a songwriter for games since I first started. And Game House gave me the first opportunity to do that. Um, in any game that I'd ever worked on. And it became such a hit to their fans that then they start, hi Panda, come here. And then they started incorporating songs. This is not my cat. This is my dog. Um, what a beauty. And, Hello. And he's a very sweet dog. And then there's the little dog who's like, fucker, me too. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank you. Um, yeah, and- you acknowledge me, daddy. <laughs> They're very good. He was a, he was a rescue. And he's just the sweetest boy. He doesn't uh, he doesn't like strangers all the time, um, but he's really just a lover. He'll like sit on your lap and want to cuddle all day. But anyway, so um, some Game House gave me opportunities, and then that's that led into us doing like three to four songs per game. And then an offshoot company of Game House called Blue Giraffe uh, told us that they wanted all their games to have like a full uh, soundtrack of songs. So then we were doing the score to the games and all these songs. And that led into me writing songs for Disney um, because I had met someone that worked for Disney and expressed uh, my, my um, lifelong dream to them to be a songwriter for Disney. And then all of a sudden I was writing songs for Disney and I opened, I've opened close to 20 shows with them. And, and, and I, I started out writing for Tokyo um, and I did their 35th anniversary album, which uh, was massive. That was just like such a huge project for them. And they still use that song. That was like 2017, 2018, but that song now showed up in the reopening for um, Disneyland Paris, uh, which I, was a, a real honor that they reused that song for that. Um, but my work is still in all those parks. And then that uh, spilled over into me uh, developing a relationship with Imagineering to write songs. Um, and I was, uh, lucky enough to be able to work on the, uh, first ever Baymax ride, which opened in Tokyo last year. Um, and, and in the middle of that, I was writing songs for Star Wars Galaxy Edge, uh, for the Cantina, um, you know, with, with a, a lot of other wonderful songwriters and composers that worked on that project. I was not the only one on the Star Wars project. There was probably, uh, 20 composers working on that in all different capacities, um, and uh, and then now that's led in t- led to me working on some other really cool projects for Disney that I can't really talk about yet, but okay. they'll be announced. The projects have been announced, but um, I'm just not supposed to say I'm doing it. But then that led into me writing songs for Blizzard. And, you know, Blizzard was a sort of a thing where I 
didn't, I mean, it was, it seems so far away because they're such a big company. Um, but I had gotten a call from Derek Duke, who is their audio director. And he said that he had a recommendation um, from a couple of folks for me to do some songwriting. And I don't know who was that recommended me, but I would like to think that it was Russell Brower because he and I had a few conversations about world building through the culture of the game. And this is something that I'm, I'm really fascinated by, by the culture in the games, by the subcultures inside the game's worlds. And so, like I told you at the beginning of this chat, what fascinates me about, about um, uh, writing music is the storytelling aspect. And so the, the idea that you can create these, create culture inside of a game by writing songs that appear on the radio in a game or writing folk songs that only appear in the game's world or um, writing theatrical pieces that help to further the story. Um, that to me was really a dream come true. So I do almost more of that than anything else these days. So not only am I writing songs for Hearthstone almost every month now, I'm writing songs for other Blizzard IPs that I can't even talk about yet because they're taking chances on, on their IPs by now including songs where they've never put songs before. So you're going to see some real surprises coming up in the next couple of years with Blizzard and where they put songs. Um, that led to my relationship with Hypergriff and their massively popular game, Arknights. Um, and for that game, I probably write two to three songs a month now, not to mention, you know, 10 to 15 minutes of, of score a month for them. So I'm probably doing like, you know, between 10 and 20 minutes of music a month for, for them in various capacity. But um, the idea now that, that I've sort of dug my feet in as a songwriter for games is just, it's such an honor for me. I'm working on two games right now that are musical theater games, that Ooh. are games that are, um, and so we did this with this game Elsinore because Elsinore was a really sort of a special project uh, where I, I really pushed the developer to let me do this, um, to just write a bunch of songs. And I, I, I hired my pal, George Sanger and, and some other people to, to help with the lyrics because I thought it'd be a fun way to do it. Um, but uh, for, for these projects, these two games have songs in them like Disney movies and the songs are part of the mechanic of the gameplay, but they're RPGs. Both of them are. And, and uh, neither of them know that I'm working on another one. So now they do. <laughs> yes. Uh, but, but there, there are a few different musical theater oriented uh, games in the works right now, but these two um, uh, one of them, I'm writing a few songs for uh, with another composer. And I'm also producing and uh, a very dear friend of mine brought me on. He's the score composer for that, but I'm being brought on as um, a songwriter slash producer. And then in the other game, I'm doing I'm doing everything. I'm producing and, and I'm actually casting, helping cast and, and directing voiceover and, and doing a lot of different things. So this whole like writing songs and performing songs and 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 telling stories that way helps helps to achieve that dream that I, I, you know, of, of writing a musical and getting it on stage or getting it in like a, a, on TV or in the cinema or whatever. Um, because a part of it is, is that the lyrics do help tell the story. 
So sometimes I get some story points from the directors and a lot of times I don't, I just, they go, okay, well, we want to, we want a song that sort of uh, is between these two characters and, and what would they sing about? And then, so I, I get to develop the relationship and I've had some great writers meetings with the writers in the games where we talk about some of the dialogue from the songs. Cause I'll write the dialogue in the songs too. And they adapt that dialogue and, and the characterization and stuff. And so um, it's, it's really, it's really fun to be able to explore all those things, you know, in, in sort of the wild west of, uh, of songwriting for games. That's so cool. It's just crazy. I mean, I was going to say, did you get any briefs? Do they give you any sort of like rundown of what they kind of want? Or is it a case of this game is going to be like this? How fun. Yeah. Well, you know what? So with Blizzard, they write the lyrics. So I don't have do to they? do any of that. Yeah. So nice. the lyrics come from, a lot of them come from Christy Golden, who's um, uh, just a, an amazing novelist. And, and her uh, best-selling Warcraft novels have uh, sparked the imagination of Warcraft players everywhere. Um, and then some of the other writers that they have on staff there that write the lyrics. Um, and then and then I'll take the lyrics and I'll adapt them okay. um, uh, in a way that makes musical sense because oftentimes writers don't understand the prosody of songwriting. Uh, so uh, that's something that obviously I, I do because I'm a songwriter. Um, so I'll help them just sort of get the lyrics in line, which usually is, is very... Um, uh, it's more cosmetic than anything else. It's mechanical. I'm not really changing the content as much as I am making things work um, uh, with proper syllables and, and, and singability and, and all that stuff. And, and maybe adding a line here or there that helps to bring a point home or something really mild stuff. But the majority of that comes from them for Disney. I write all, all my own lyrics um, for uh, the musical theater game. A I am not writing lyrics for musical theater game B I am. So it just depends on the project and it, it depends on what they, what they're looking for uh, in the story. And sometimes I do get a brief and sometimes I don't um, uh, with hypergriff. Um, they are very kind to provide me with as much information about the characters who I'm writing for, whether or not the character is singing the song themselves or whether or not the song appears in the game as part of the wallpaper, you know, the, the um, uh, source music, so to speak. Uh, and, and, and through that, I, I just have learned to exercise different muscles. You know, if I'm the, if I, if I am the dude, it's much easier than if I am like, actually, I take that back. If I'm the dude that does everything, it's actually more difficult. I love having the lyrics because then it takes something off my plate mm. and I can really focus on the music because I already know that it's a story they want to tell. But if, if everything I'm doing from scratch, it means that I got to just make sure that I, I, you know, cross all my T's and dot all my I's and all that it becomes a little more difficult when I'm writing and lyrics and production um, and arranging and, and all of that. And, and I love doing it all. I'm, I'm sort of a musical whore. Uh, also, <laughs> I'm also a whore whore. But I'm a whore. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, but, um, that it's I, I just I love doing it all, and so being hands on like that, where I get to dig my teeth into uh, all these projects and and just you know devour every part of the process. I've learned so much, and I've also learned what I'm really terrible at and what I'm really good at, and and I also know. Uh, when a project starts, where I'm going to need help, I know who I'm going to hire, when I'm going to need to hire them, whether or not we do, you know, sheet music or not, and depends on the players. And I know like 
how, how to manage all that. So I've learned a lot about myself and my limitations, which is part of the reason why my workday is not so long anymore, because I actually make more money hiring people that are really good at what they do to help take stuff off my plate. I don't have to do everything anymore. When I was younger, I did. When I was younger, I had no money. I was teaching piano while I was writing. Um, I was teaching like seven days a week at one point and still trying to write music. And, uh, and my wife quit her job when we had our first daughter. So then I had to, you know, really buckle down and, and work those two jobs, uh, teaching and, oh, there's my cat's ass full. <laughs> um, ah, I can see the eye of Sauron. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Stop. No one wants to see that. <laughs> <laughs> there, there, there was a long time there when I was doing everything. And, and, you know, when I mentor now, I teach, and I still teach, I teach it at Biola university remotely. I have some, uh, um, uh, commercial music students that I, I, took for my buddy, Jeff, who's my guitar, other guitar player. Um, he runs that program and he asked me to help out. And so I've been teaching over there off and on. And uh, I tell them all the same thing that there's no shame in, in having, you know, two or three jobs while you're trying to make this work, especially if they're music adjacent jobs, if you can teach, that's wonderful. And you should do it because everybody needs a good, passionate teacher that wants nothing more than to become a successful music professional. Um, and then I, I love the give back of teaching. I like connecting with the students. I also like, meeting potential new collaborators. You know, I mean, I mentored Yoris. Yoris was my intern for a while. And now he is my most trusted collaborator aside from my business partner. Um, he's also like a brother and, and he stays with us every Christmas. And, and you know, we, we really do have a lot of love for Yoris. He's basically family. So um, when I'd said that our team is close knit and we don't take very many people in, that's the reason why, because trust is so important, especially when we're dealing with high-end IPs where there's, you know, millions and millions of dollars on the line. I just did a thing for Marvel that is coming out, um, in November. And I, I can't, you know, I, I, I can't even say that I, I worked on it yet, actually. In fact, I don't even know if I'm supposed to say that I worked on anything Marvel, but I did. So whatever. Um, <laughs> and, you know, in dealing with that, you know, there's, there's a lot of risk, you know, there's, there's a lot of risk for leaking information and a lot of risk of like scripts getting out. And, and I had the scripts for the show because there, there's things there that I needed to see. Um, and, and my role on that, um, I, I won't reveal now, but I, I'm not the composer of the show, but I, I did play a production role uh, with the music. Um, and, and I'll, you know, I'll announce that after, after November when, when the show comes out. Um, but, you know, having that material around is, is a huge liability. So, you know, having people you can trust is just really key to all that. I don't remember what you asked me. I'm sure it was something about music. <laughs> you got another question in there, Jamie? <laughs> I was going to say, with a wide variety of projects like you do with video games, movies, theme parks and stuff, is there a different approach to each type or is it pretty much a song's a song? Um, well, there's a little a song's a song, but also like the format of the media and where it appears really, really determines the way I write the song because the goal with any song is to get to the hook pretty quick. If we have a little bit longer time to tell the story, we'll spend a little more time in, in the verse and the pre-chorus and the wind up, the exposition of the song, so to speak. But a lot of the songs that I write, like especially things for Hearthstone are about a minute to a minute and a half long. I don't have the luxury of doing a three minute radio number for that. 
So I get basically one verse and then a chorus, turn around and chorus. And that's been a pretty solid form for me on that. With Hypergriff, they give me a lot of luxury. I get four to four and a half minutes sometimes. So I can really do a, a bang up job of twisting things around. And sometimes it's a little scary when you look at that page and you're like, fuck, I got to fill four minutes. What am I going to do? Um, and, you know, people, people want to hear a variety of things in that time. I know I hear a lot of, of colleagues in the industry writing songs for these other games. And they spend a lot of time like, sitting in one spot, like not, not as if not to accuse other folks of being lazy, but I, I have an overactive approach to the way that I, I good. Just, there we go. Zoom. Daddy, what you doing? I don't we'll turn just, that away from me we'll now. Just go like this for the rest of this. Chat. <laughs> I'm saving this for my only pause channel. Move, father. <laughs> That's where you do that. Like, like, uh, what do they do on the YouTube videos where they zoom in on the cat face and like for a second it takes it off? <laughs> That'll be the, the avatar for this uh, this uh, interview. Anyway, um, but yeah, so my approach does change. I mean, like. With Disney, when we're writing a parade song, that's really different than if we're writing a song for a ride because the parade song, they want to get people singing and they want them clapping. And there's a lot of times mm. the directive, especially from Tokyo to like, we want claps here because we want people to clap along or make the melody singable, make it memorable. You know, if I'm writing a twisty, classical, dark, gothic number for a game, it doesn't have to be singable. It just has to be fucking cool. So there's things that I could do to make it cool. You know, sometimes you're writing a song that demands a big hook, that demands the, the uh, you know, catchy, um, memorable thing. And sometimes you're writing a song that just sort of gets you from point A to point B. So depending on the divisive nature of what we're doing, there's different vehicles and an entirely different approach. But that would go for like, you know, pop music too. I, if I was Trent Reznor writing an album, it's not going to sound like a Britney Spears record. If I'm writing a Justin Bieber album, that's entirely different than a Godsmack album. You know what I mean? Like there's just like a, a way that you like, I mean, Tool is not going to be like doing the same shit that like, you know, uh, uh, we hear on Kiss FM out here in LA. It's just not... It's not the right, it, it's just a different mindset, but it's also a different structural approach. It's a different production approach down to the kind of microphones used on the drums. Um, and so my approach, especially, and, and this is where I feel like I'm getting a little more refined as a producer over the years is my understanding of the way that other people do their jobs is getting better. When I was younger, it was really all about me and what I could do, what I could bring to the table, what my songs sounded like, what my arrangements were like and all that shit. But now it's like, how do I get my musicians to understand the tonality of what I'm doing? How do I speak the language where, uh, you know, I, I, I know how to better ask for what I want. If I am going to do a funk drum session, I want to be able to tell my drummer what snare to use or tell him what I liked about the snare that he did last time. And what I, so I'm, I'm learning how to speak the language of the other musicians too. And I started to learn this lesson in my late twenties, when I would have musicians come over to play and they'd be like, don't write oboe parts in C sharp. And I'd be like, why not? This because we don't have those fucking notes when we get low and it sounds shit. And it's like too hard to tune. We like it in C or an adjacent key. And I'm like, okay, well, that's good to know. And like our trombone players, I would tell me, we can't play that legato because, you know, we'll break if you cross over that line in the staff and that's stuff I didn't know. So I became a more efficient orchestrator and, and a better uh, musician as I humbled myself and, and took a, a minute to learn what other folks were doing. 
Um, and that's part of uh, like the team building thing too. As I've gotten older and a little bit more seasoned in my craft, I value my team more than anything else because without that, I really don't have a ship to sail. So it's been, it's been really awesome to learn that I don't have to be the guy at, at, at the helm, you know, all the time that I can relinquish some of the trust, you know, and, and that I can let other people help delegate that. So much like writing a song where, um, you know, the approach is going to change my approach to production in general and arranging and running a company has just matured. I feel in the past 10 years. Incredible. I mean, the closest I've ever got Adam to doing what you do is when I was a child, well, younger, I bought music 2000 for the PlayStation. Yeah. Remember that game? Yeah. And I would write the same song. I could never differentiate. I could never do anything else. I'd always write the same thing every time. And I would listen oh, to it over and over again. Hey? <laughs> it's probably a banger. You should have released yeah. it, Tom. <laughs> I mean, that was 21 years ago now, so that's that's long gone. But I could never I could never seem to get out of that cycle of the same, the same drum beat, the same guitar, the same I could never seem to like get away from that. It's really it's yeah. You know what? That's a common problem, even for folks that do this job for a living. Really? We, we fall into those patterns and, and cycles all the time. And, and part of the struggle of being a composer and just the nature of this gig is that when you're producing a lot of work and you're doing so much so quick, um, you do fall into bad habits and you, you can get lazy and just like rely on old tricks. And so I, I'm, I'm always trying to figure out ways to get myself out of that circle, out of that loop, you know, to kind of break the groundhog stay on a daily basis. Um, and I'll, I'll go places harmonically and musically uh, that are just entirely out of my nature. Like if you were to hear me sit down and just improvise on piano, there's shit that I would do that's just part of the fabric of who I am. And partially because I'm not that great of a piano player, but also because there's just places my hands go. When I sit down, that's just what I do. And as a composer, it's very much the same thing. So when I sit down to write music and I want to break myself of those habits, I'll force myself to go somewhere harmonically that doesn't sound that great to my ears and then figure out melodically how to connect the dots. And so playing that little game with myself where I'm like, all right, well, this is something I've never done. It's like cooking, but throwing an ingredient into like ice cream that you're scared to do, like a tomato. Like who the fuck would do that, right? But well, maybe yeah. you've made vanilla ice cream for 20 years with, you know, now, now it's vanilla caramel. Now it's vanilla strawberry. Now it's, van, you know, vanilla spice. But then you're like, fuck that shit. I'm going to throw a tomato in there, right? And so see what happens. Why not? Because at this point, it's like, Anything I can do to experiment my way out of living in the same cycle of chords and melodies forever, it's just going to make me grow. You know, I listened to work I did, you know, 20 years ago. And even though um, it's my productions come a long way, sometimes I hear things I'm like, boy, I still do that. I still do that thing that I did back then. And why? Why am I doing it? Just, and I think there's part of you that just never escapes that process. Mm. So maybe you were writing that song because you are innately just like, built of those musical elements and you just never thought of doing anything. I mean, I think that's a very valid, that's actually a very valid comment and, and, a, and a very um, uh, a mature comment when it comes to uh, most composers figuring out how to, how to have a long career and not write the same fucking thing. Every, <laughs> you know, it's like green day. Like you listen to green day album. They wrote the same album like four times and then they stopped writing albums. And, and I, I feel like a lot, Blink-182 did the same shit. They just wrote the same album over and over again. Um, and, and a lot of guys do that. And, and it's, hard to not, it's hard to not do that. So I attribute uh, everybody that has had a longer career than just a couple years to, to the uh, tenacious nature of, of a lot of composers to kind of break free of that mold. 
you know, and, and, and in their defense, bands like uh, Blink-182 and, and Green Day, and, and I, I kid about that, but the reality is, is the labels didn't give them the freedom to do that. But those of us that work in video games, we're really lucky that we don't, that our egos don't drive our career and that it's not our name that are our, our face and, and our stage performance that drives our career. Yeah. Cause we all hide behind boxes and nobody really knows who the fuck we are until we say, Oh, I did that. Yeah. That was me. Hi. You know, and <laughs> so people are like, Oh, you did that. What else did you do? Um, and, and it's so funny because even that, like if people find out that like, Oh, you're, you're the guy that did, you know, this one horror game I really like, well then you must be a horror composer. So we're going to hire you to do all the horror things. But then like, you know, another company goes, oh, you did the NBC Today show, so you must be like a news composer. So we're going to hire you to do news stuff only. You know, forget that you can do horror and forget that you can do rock or songwriting. So people get to know you for like one thing, and that can be sort of a tricky animal to tame too. Oh, but Yeah. I imagine. So as I, as I said in my intro, I, mean, I think we should, probably should mention it. Um, this is me. Obviously, it, it's standout credit because the song and the film were and are huge. So what what exactly did you do in that song? What was your involvement? It's so funny. Um, I, st- that, I get asked about that one a lot because I think a lot of people still love that movie. Um, and, uh, you know, I thought it was really interesting at the time because there wasn't a lot of musical movies. So when we first started working on that project back in 2015, I had just met Pasek and Paul through um, a colleague of mine, Chris Leonard's who's a wonderful uh, cinematic composer and he's getting into some songwriting too. And he had, um, I had met him uh, through my brother-in-law who was a music supervisor, God rest his soul, who passed away of cancer a few years ago. So sorry. Um, and that's why, yeah, this right here, this is for him. Uh, anyway, so met Pastor Paul and uh, we had done this demo round for Sony pictures for this movie that never saw the light of day. Um, and then they came back to LA a few months later, and this was late 2015. And we're like, ah, we're working on greenlighting this movie. It's a Hugh Jackman movie. And we're having a really hard time getting some of these songs in line because uh, Fox doesn't like the sound of what we're doing. Would you be willing to come in, uh, get all your gear, come to the director's loft in Hollywood, which was Michael Gracie, move in your gear and work on the song with us. And I was like, okay. So I, I was like, Justin, such, I, I was, I had so much respect for him because he's such a brilliant songwriter that basically he says jump and I'd be like, sure, let's do it, buddy. So I packed up my car, got my stuff, went to Hollywood and they played, this is me on the piano for me. And I was, I was shocked. I loved it. It was beautiful. Uh, ben sung and, and Justin played piano it was on a little Brown upright in Michael's living room. Um, and I just went to work and I, I started producing the track and I came up with the basic arrangement that day. Uh, and, and Fox loved it. And then they called me and said, would you be willing to come to American studios and do a couple more songs for us? Um, and then we, they actually moved me into um, Fox studios uh, music department. And so I worked there for a couple of days producing a couple other songs and one that didn't uh, make it into the film, but I actually produced more for that album than I was credited for. Um, I didn't get credits for the arrangement, some other stuff, but that's just the nature of the business. Uh, so I didn't hear anything about the film. I, I'd submitted all my stems, done the whole thing. 
we we actually had recorded uh, all the background vocals that are still on the album and and stuff. They they supplemented, but they used some of the stuff that we had done back then. Um, and then and then when it came to the final production on that album, uh, Greg Wells took all my stems and everything, and and he did the mixes, and the mixes are wonderful. And then they ended up adding some live strings to it, and they uh, replaced the drums with a live drummer, but kept my parts. Uh, and so I was sort of the first one in the chain on that song. I, I, I effectively came up with the sound of it, I would say. And then it was, it was produced later in the way that, um, it, you know, they, they wrapped up the final production later. Um, so the reason why they'd given me the production credit on that was because of the influence I had over the sound of the whole thing. Um, a lot of things that, that you hear in that song, uh, uh, were sort of like signature production things that I love doing just in general. And, and they kept all that stuff, of course, and they kept my piano part, even though they had it replayed by someone else, they still kept my piano arrangement and, and all my synth parts and some of the guitar stuff and all the drum stuff. So a lot of the production there was stuff that I had contributed. And then, you know, it, again, it's a team effort. So Justin did the, um, I mean, Justin and Benj obviously wrote the song, but Justin did the wonderful vocal arrangement that you hear um, in that song. And uh, Alex Lackamore, who uh, is the producer of the soundtrack to Hamilton, and some other stuff. He did the string arrangement on there. Um, and then I think he also directed, musically directed the live choir uh, that they added and the drummer in the studio. So uh, lots of cooks in that kitchen, lots of people that contributed. Um, but I was just happy to be a small part of it. And I still get, I just got another royalty check for that last week. And I'm very happy to get those. Let me tell you, <laughs> that's always an honor. So, and you know, and I've, I've worked with Pascal and Paul and a handful of other things since then. Um, didn't work on Dear Evan Hansen, but I worked on some other projects that they've worked on and stuff that still hasn't been released yet. Um, and I value that relationship and them as human beings very much. Um, and hope they still continue to call. You know, it's one of those things where you never know. People call sometimes, sometimes don't. It's just part of the business. So you did all that incredible work for The Greatest Showman. And then how was the concept of Sausage Party put yeah. to you? Oh because my obviously food coming alive and then having a massive fuck off orgy at the end. Be like, yeah, yeah sign me up. Let's do the tunes for this then. <laughs> so that's so funny too, because that also came through Chris Leonard's studio because Chris was the score composer on that. And Alan Menken wrote that song. Um, and, and the interesting thing about working with Alan is he does a lot of his own voices. So when I got that, when I got that file, it was Alan playing piano singing, fuck me in the ass, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, oh my God, a whole new world. I'm like, oh my, this is amazing, right? Like you don't want to hear your favorite childhood composer saying the world fuck cunt. And like, it just, what, what? was I doing? So um, Chris had asked me to, to help produce that, that song with him and to do the arrangements and help them with the demos. So we hired some really wonderful demo singers and, and I went home and I worked on it. Um, meanwhile, we're getting voicemails from, from Seth and it's like, he's like, here's some new lyrics. And he's like, super out of his gourd, just like singing different lyrics over voicemails. And then we'd have to incorporate the lyrics and, it's such a fun experience. I mean, the whole team on that was was really open to um, our concepts, and and about half of my arrangement made it into the film. And and Kevin Kleisch did the rest of the orchestration, but they they kept some of my orchestration in that, and and so that was a lot of fun. Um, 
and all my counter lines in there, uh, all the counter lines that I wrote made it into the film. It's so funny because when you work at that level, like that's just such an interesting level. That's where you have the least amount of control because when there's other composers and arrangers involved, uh, it ultimately becomes just like a, a big like collaboration. So you never know at the end stage what uh, what that what you've done that is going to make it into the final and you still get paid and you just have to learn that it's not about you it's about the project and so you know if they don't keep what you're doing it's not because you're an asshole or your work sucks it's because the director just felt like that wasn't right for that moment um and and i had to learn that the hard way too because my feelings got hurt a lot when i was younger but now they don't get hurt as much sometimes i get bummed when something i'm really passionate about doesn't make it into a film or into a project um, but I, I have to be okay with it too, because I just, uh, want to keep working and there's another cat. And, and if I decide one day that I'm going to be the guy that's like, I, why not? You know, th then people are like, oh, he's drama. We don't want to work with him. So I try to mm. be easy, easy when I can. And even when I get my dreams and hopes crushed, which happen, I'll stop fighting you two, my, my dreams and hopes crushed. I keep on trucking because uh, uh, I, that easy breezy nature of, of being um, a good collaborator and an honest business person and operating with integrity in the industry has really been the thing that's kept me going. So before we wrap up, I did want to ask about seeds. Mm. Is this an, an animated musical that you created? Yeah. So it, it was a story that I had originally written back when I was in my early twenties. Um, and I was with Kraft Angle management for a long time, for a couple of years. And, and Richard, who's just a really inspirational, wonderful human being, had inspired me to pursue my own thing because, you know, he was telling me, well, you know, Pascal Paul, Dear Evan Hansen, that's where they're going to really make good money because they own everything. And he's like, you got to do something that's just for you. And I was like, you know what I do? I do so much for other people. I was going to get back to seeds. So I, I came back to it after putting it down for like 10 years. I rewrote most of the material. I rewrote most of the script. It was essentially fresh. So over the course of three months, I rewrote like um, most of the songs with the exception of like one, which I mostly rewrote, added a bunch of new material, um, tuned up the script, tuned up the characters and, and started just to make animation for it with the express purpose of gaining the attention of folks. And, and I did. And, and um, when I left Craft Angle, I, I had found a literary agent who I, I really like um, at Verve. And he's sort of taken the helm on helping me pitch that. So, uh, he, you know, Chris over at Verve is, is really tapped into that. Um, industry and, and Ben Familietti from Disney gave me some of his time and, and we had, I, I had some really awesome heavy hitters advise me in a lot of ways, including Richard and, and some other folks. So um, I would love to see seeds come to life. I had some offers to have it produced on stage, but I didn't want to give the premiere to uh, a theater that was indie. I want to make sure that the characters are who, you know, represent different nationalities and and uh, folks on the gender spectrum and, and uh, sexuality spectrum are, are represented in the right way. Um, so, you know, actually having um, an Asian character played by an Asian person was is important to me. Things like that, especially when it's not just like, oh, you're Asian because you put an Asian person in the cast. No, it's because that's 
the character that's part of the character mm. um and and so those kind of things it's important to me that those things are honored um so we're waiting for the right theater company to come along and and i'll keep making it because it's so much fun the tiktok has over fourteen thousand followers on it right now we're going to still keep making stuff my artist just sent me two new pieces that um she built and uh they're really wonderful and i'm, I'm gonna edit some new videos to them in the, in the coming weeks now they have a little break and hopefully get that stuff uh put out but you know we'll keep doing it we've developed a really nice fan base and they do talk to me often about the cast and the characters and they've asked for the script and i've gotten some great feedback so um, i'll keep pursuing seeds um it's, it is important, I think, for any artist to have some passion projects on the side. And in the past, they were just like, it was me just doing stuff uh, for free. And I was calling it passion projects, but it was like working on someone's game because I liked the game and they didn't have any money. So I was like, oh, it's a passion project, which it sort of is. But really, it's not a true passion project unless it's your passion that's fueling the project. So mm. I decided that uh, I was going to do it. And, and here I am. And of course, my my um, attention to it ebbs and flows with my paycheck because sometimes I do really have to work a lot and I don't have the time or energy with the kids and the family to devote to it, but I I'll keep, I'll keep plugging away until it's released. Yes, please. Beautiful. Tom, have you got any more questions? Uh, what I'm going to do is I know Jamie's got to head off to work. So I'd like to have you back on Adam, because I've not hardly touched any of the questions I've written. I want to do a part two, if you're out of that. Absolutely. Yeah. Phenomenal. For now, yeah, I've, I've hardly touched what I wanted to ask. <laughs> There's so much I want to ask you. So um, that's my plan. Divert yeah. you from the hard stuff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad it worked. <laughs> um, so yeah, I'd like to. I'd like to invite you back for a second time round. We'll sort all that out, obviously, through emails and everything. But um, yeah, I, I hope you'd like to come back on. If that's okay I'm, I'd be honored to. Thank you so much for having me. Let me know what your schedule's like, and and we'll get it aligned. Over winter break is great, or you want to wait till next year? It's good too. Whatever you just let me know. We'll do, Jamie. But before we do let you out of here, though, oh, yes. we do like to play a little game with our guests, yes, if that do. is okay. Yeah. We call it the quick fire round. We ask you five questions and you answer them as quick as you can. The topic is very difficult. It's you, basically. Oh. <laughs> so, <laughs> first hard-hitting question. What is your favourite pizza topping? I, um, uh, bacon. Oh, yes. We like. Amazing. Your favorite joke to tell? Um, uh, I can't tell it on here, but it has to, <laughs> <laughs> oh God, it's so dirty. It's so bad. It was a, it was a joke that I was told in college and it had to do with a guy losing his virginity in a glass eye on the table and it's terrible and I won't go on. I, I won't go on from there, but you, it, okay. Yeah. Your go-to karaoke song. Oh my gosh! Anything from Billy Joel. Oh, nice. One word that people would use to describe you. Uh, uh, frantic. <laughs> my wife said headstrong. I, well, oh, she says extra. She says. Oh. She's <laughs> probably right. <laughs> that's just the different scale as when the coffee jug wears off <laughs> and last but not least if who would play you in the movie of your life um a, a much uglier version of zach efron <laughs> i'm getting jake jernhall vibes myself but yeah are, are you flirting tom i'm trying i'm trying <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh, Adam, this has been absolutely amazing. Um, have you got any plugs, social medias, websites that people need to go and check out? Um, moonwalkaudio.com or adamgubman.com. Um, I'm on all the socials. You can find me just about everywhere. Uh, I, I just want to end by saying that I couldn't do this without my awesome team and family. And I, I value them and I value all the people that have supported us and given us work. All of our clients who are, are extremely loyal um, we're grateful for all of them. So support their games products and, and behind, I, I want to end by saying this behind every political scandal behind every media blitz, trying to damage someone's career. There's just a bunch of people trying to make cool shit. So we can, we can look past all of that, that capitalist crazy media insanity and just know that everybody behind the creative process or a bunch of folks like me that just really love what they do and are passionate about it and want to keep doing it. Beautiful. I love that. I love that. That is beautiful. There is no better way to end this wonderful conversation. Adam, thank you so much. We yeah. really, really appreciate you and your time as well. Thank you so much for taking time. My pleasure, to Tom, Jamie. Yeah. Thanks, guys. We'll definitely arrange a part two. All right, cool. Have a great weekend. Cheers. You too, man. Take Cheers. It easy. See you soon. Bye. Thanks, Adam. Just an amazing, amazing conversation. It was so much fun. I can't wait to do part two. I really can't. It's like last week we had Captain Charisma on the show, and this week we had Captain Personality on the show. Just so much personality. I loved it. Loved oh, I, it. It has so many good stories to tell as well, like making music for Disney and you know, how he breaks them down and why just the music for Blizzard. And that's just phenomenal. And just all the pets. We love it. Yeah. We just love the dogs and the cats showing up. Like it just, and the fact that he talks to his wife, I think at some point as well. Yeah, it did. Just absolutely wonderful. We really, really want to thank Adam from the bottom of our hearts for taking the time out to talk to us. We know that you're a very busy man um, and we really appreciate it. And we really hope that you guys enjoy listening to it as we did recording it. Mr. Stevens. Yes, sir. It's audience participation time. Yeah, it is. It's time to participate in Jamie's audience participation challenge. What has he asked you to do this week? Oh, my brothers. This week, I said to the dear listeners, most of the things in the world these days can say, there's an app for that. But we want to know if you were to create an app, what would it be? Somebody on my post took my answer. I was going to say my answer has been taken by someone as well. Did you get Michelle Midwinter's answer? Uh, on my post. Yes. That's my answer. Well, should we start with that one then? Yes. Michelle Midwinter says, spoiler slash result blocker. An app where you have your Twitter, Facebook feed, but you select the sports team TV show that aired last night that you don't want any spoilers and your feed comes up with no spoilers at all. When I last checked, there was a rubbish one only in the US. It may just be a thing now already. That is great. And that that is definitely for you. Yes, because I fucking hate spoilers. And I remember when Loki was out and there was like, oh my God, Richard E. Grant was in it. Oh my God. Like literally the day, like the morning after you're like, cheers guys. Some of us have lives. I get if it was like a week or two down the line, but not the night, like the morning after the night before. Bullshit. Yes, it's so annoying. And sometimes you can't even, if it was text and you're scrolling, you can avoid it. But some people post a fucking photo, you're like, come on. Yeah. Anyway. Doesn't matter. Sorry, that was just one. (laughs) If everyone's not watched Loki, I'm so sorry. (laughs) 
<laughs> but it went around everywhere, so everyone must yeah, know. Yeah, Nina Hewitson says, I'd have an app called Brain Fart. It would know exactly what word you needed or song or phrase you were thinking of, but couldn't quite remember. Perfect for those brain farts moment when you say things like singing timer instead of alarm clock. (laughs) That's amazing. Dominic Griffith says, I want a Shazam that I could just warble into and it will work out what the hell the song is that's stuck in my head. That's That's cool. I want. That was my answer that I I had. Because I've lost counting the amount of times I've said I want that app. Do you know what would be amazing is if, you know when adverts play songs you're like that's really good but you can't shazam it because there's talking on the advert. Yeah. That would be nice as well. That would be nice. Oh, Thomas. This one I felt in my bones. I just want an app that tells me if I've locked my doors in the morning. Well, yeah. <laughs> that would be wonderful. The amount of times I've gone back to double check my front door is locked. Same. Same as mate. Kai Bentley, this one, I think this is more for the ladies out there. Check to see if I've turned my straighteners off remotely or disabled plug sockets from my phone. The other half can have that as well. <laughs> Ada Need says, shop assistant. While you're in a supermarket, the app will tell you what aisle and shelf location you oh find the item you're looking for. God. Genius. Get on Dragon's Den, son. <laughs> or make it. That's a genius. That's a genius idea. Speaking of Dragon's Den... Ian Robinson says, Strip Advisor, the definitive guide to dirty entertainment. I'm offering 10% equity for an investment of £500,000. <laughs> <laughs> I just love the name Strip Advisor. That's fantastic. Adam Cox, this is both hilarious and really sentimental and sweet. I like this. So I've had this idea for a while, and it might already be a thing. It's a funeral app that uses facial recognition so you can pre-record greetings and final words to people that play as they walk through the door to your funeral. It will also work for assholes so you can personally tell them to fuck off and everyone will know that they're not welcome at your funeral. Wow. What, Such a sweet scare? idea. It would. Would that scare some people, though? Possibly, to be but, fair. Yeah, it'd be a bit weird. Do you remember that Black Mirror ep- uh, episode? I've never seen Black Mirror, so no. But... Oh. Jamie. I mean, I've not watched all of it, but there's one where her husband dies in a car crash, and then you can buy an AI and it rebuilds and it anything on your phone and stuff, photos, memories, conversations, etc., gets put into his body and it becomes your husband again. Oh, that's creepy. It was weird. It was weird. Do you reckon yeah. this app would really freak out a blind person? Because they wouldn't see the video screen, they'd just hear this voice talking to them. Well, what about that? <laughs> That app sees your face, facial recognition, and put, gives you a message oh, from the yeah, pre-recorded yeah, yeah. message. The blind person doesn't see the video screen. It's like, what the fuck? I thought he was dead. <laughs> well, someone obviously explained it to them, surely. I'd like to hope so. Harrison Westwood says, mobile phone, find my keys. Well, I know I mine every time. Does he lose his keys a lot? He loses everything a lot. I mean, he is 16, so... Well, yeah, true. Yeah. Keris Mansfield says a mute button on people who you don't wish to talk to. (laughs) That would be amazing as well. And then Becky Westwood had something very similar. It says a mute app for people who don't shut up and eat too loud. It's not a fan of people that eat too loud. No, so they can tag team together and get app building on this one. (laughs) Sarah Hamilton says checking people's dating history like a credit score. I call it twatometer. (laughs) so good oh now this one is our final one and i want this if this becomes available i'll have it 
and the wife will make me download it because this is something I need. Jessica Stew. I don't have a name for it, but it's like Shazam for actors. You know when you're watching someone and you can't for the life you figure out who that actor is and where you recognise them from? Open the app, snap a picture, facial recognition does it things and takes you straight to their IMDb page. That needs to be a thing for me. Because no matter what I watch, you can guarantee at least one person in that program will film, I am going to IMDb at some point. <laughs> I reckon from somewhere. Where's she from? What's he from? Yeah, oh, because I'm from somewhere. Oh, is it that? Oh my god, a new oh yeah, I can see it now. What's worse is I do it for animated stuff as well. I'm like, I know that voice. Why the fuck do I know that voice? Where do I know that voice from? <laughs> I'm absolutely not in there for it. Where are you, Ryan? Yeah, no Ryan this week. We hope you're okay. Thinking of you, hope you're well. Uh, thank you, everybody, to everyone that participated in our audience participation challenge this week. Uh, Jamie's participation challenge, should I say. I do thank you all for your gloriously wonderful answers. We appreciate you and adore you more than you could ever possibly imagine. But if you enjoy the participation challenge, you know where I'm going with this, guys. And you enjoy Callum's teachings, you know where I'm going, don't you? You can see it's coming. Oh, it's coming. And you enjoy Tom's journal and the interviews we put out on a weekly basis. Oh, yeah, you saw it coming. And you'll enjoy the other 15 editions of the Chronicles of Podcast, which you can find anywhere you get your podcast from, Spotify, Google, Apple, etc., etc. You can also find us on YouTube at The Chronicles of Podcast. Put that into your search bar, hit that subscribe button, and you can watch all of our interviews and all of our, Jamie, hashtag WBW, way back Wednesdays, which are all of our previous interviews from previous channels that we were on. So, yeah, hopefully you enjoy those thoroughly. We appreciate you checking them out. You can also find us on Facebook at The Chronicles of Podcast. Please give us a follow, a like, share our stuff, tell all your friends about us. Jamie, do you know where else you can find us? Where? On the Twitter at TCOPod. And Jamie, do you know where else you can find us? Oh, where? On the Insta at TCOPod. And you can also find us on the TikTok at TCO Pod. Yes, we are also on TikTok. Yeah, we are. The Chronicles of Podcast. Downloaders, reviewers, raters, sharers, tell every single one of your friends and family members about us, please. Do it right now. Can you just do it right now? Well, wait, it's fine. <laughs> Allow us into your ears. And most importantly, only collectors on Blu-ray. Oh, yes, definitely. High definition Blu-ray. You need to see us in all our glory. Eight... K. Oh, 8K. We might as well just be in the fucking room with you. Exactly. Come and join. We appreciate every single one of you that checks out our show, that watches our YouTube, whether it be for 10 minutes, 10 hours, whatever. Thank you so much to every single one of you that checks us out. We really, really do appreciate it. And if you want to find links to all those beautiful things that Tom just mentioned, you can go over to our website at www.thechroniclesofpodcast.com. I completely forgot about the website. Thank you very, very much for saving me there. I got you back, my brother. I got you back. Uh, We also (laughs) want to shout out a massive thank you to Matthew Roberts, who does all of our music for us. We really, really appreciate him more than we could possibly ever imagine the words could ever say. Please go and follow Matt Roberts' music on all social media, and he's also on the Spotify. Thank Massive thank you to Stay Cozy. Please use The Chronicles as one word at checkout to receive 10% off your order. We really appreciate Stay Cozy. Braden, thank you so much. He was obviously the way back Wednesday this week. So happy birthday for yesterday, dude. Hope you had a great day. And I really hope the tour's going well. And of course, a massive thank you to the Sophie Lancaster Foundation. We really appreciate everything they stand for. We love everything they stand for. 
we're, to be affiliated with them is just monumental. And hopefully we can keep spreading that message. Be kind to each other, guys. Just you only get one life it, and it's short. Just be nice to each other. What you know, there's no need for hate in this world. Peace, love, and hugs to all of our friends, our family, and all of our listeners. We appreciate and love you so very much. Please go check out www.sophielancasterfoundation.com. Please go and check out their merch. Please donate as and where you can. Just if you can give a little, you know, every little helps, as Tesco say. Um, <laughs> but yeah, we really appreciate everybody that sponsors this show. Siscast as well. Thank you so much to you guys. Obviously, Val Toby is currently out. And I am in it as the Sheriff King. So please go and listen to Val Toby and where you get your uh, audio dramas from as well. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, etc. Or go and check out www.siscast.com for all shows. Uh, I'm touching on Sophie Lancaster as well. We have a plea out on our social media at the moment. At the end of the month, it is make a noise. We want your help to do just that. Make a noise for Sophie. Go check out all our, our social medias for details on how you can help Yes, please. That would be grand. Jamie, another wonderful week, another wonderful episode. A very wonderful episode. I've enjoyed this very much. Same. Adam, thank you so much again for being a guest, for joining us. We look forward to bringing you part two next year. It's going to be so much fun. He was just a wonderful human and one of my favourite interviews we've done so far. Jamie. Yes. As as for this week, we are going to see y'all next week. Goodbye, everybody. Bye.